And a good Tuesday morning. Kevin and Query here on a little bit of a chilly start to this Tuesday. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, Jelani Woods, he will be joining us today in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, we did not see his father, Gregory Woods, in the YouTube chat yesterday. We'll now, see. can we ask him? Now, I should... Do we... He's on a good rapport with his dad. In other words, there wouldn't be somebody posing as his dad, right? Can we ask him to confirm that that's his dad? Uh, we'll call Manti Teo, just double-check everything. But uh, <laughs> I would I would like to think that that is his father. I looked up his bio, and I believe it says in there, Gregory Woods, granted. Uh, yeah, yeah anybody could look that the, up, right? Felt the brunt of that. Uh, but yeah, Jelani's going to join us at 9 o'clock. If you missed any of the Jeff Saturday interview from us to close out the show yesterday, We'll replay some of that coming up here in the 7 o'clock hour. Kind of a busy, we're, we're starting to get into that cycle, Jake, of the Colts are obviously in the midst of their season. The Pacers start training camp today. Their preseason opens next Wednesday. Indiana and Purdue are done with the non-conference slate. So it is Big Ten football from here on out. We start to get into a very, very busy sports cycle here locally. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And... You know, in addition to that, just nationally speaking, I mean, listen, disingenuous to sit here and say, Kevin, that I am a diehard, by-the-day, standing-following baseball fan. But there is – maybe it's the childhood nostalgia in me, but there's nothing like the baseball – I shouldn't say nothing like. And a lot of sports have great playoffs. But the, the Major League Baseball playoffs to me are always fun. I remember going to – uh, Mrs. Kinnear's Cotillion on the north side. Did, did you have to do that when you were a kid? Was that gone by the time you were a kid? Carl Kinnear was my sixth grade English teacher. I wonder if it's the same family. She they they taught, or she had a class called Cotillion on the north side that like it was. Never did Cotillion. I think my wife would say your manners indicate that. Yeah, it well trust me, it was not the best thing in the world. But uh, I got in trouble for sneaking in a Walkman radio and during we were learning the Foxtrot and I was listening to the Royals Blue Jays 85 ALCS. I was a Blue Jays fan at the time, but just baseball, like it kind of brings back the kid in me, the baseball playoffs. So October and late September is always cool. So it is a fun time of year, no doubt about it. Um, And plenty of Colts discussion. Obviously yesterday, Pacers media day. I got a chance yesterday um, you had a busy Monday. I tour did. in the state a little, right? I did. Uh, went to yesterday. Went to the Knightstown Gym, which, by the way, I did not realize the Knightstown Gym, the Hoosiers Gym, of course, um, is basically open to the public during you know regular business hours. So I drove over. The Australians were here, Michael and Marcus and Daniela. They're here for two days, and. They are the couple that I met through the Pacers. They're just huge Pacers. I mean, when I say huge, I mean massive Pacers fans. And so just Indiana basketball and culture, they've become, they fell in love with. And so they're here visiting. And I took them to the Knightstown gym. Marcus got to, who's the equivalent of a high school sophomore by American grades, uh, took took about 103 point shots at the Knightstown gym. Anybody can just walk in there and shoot. Did you know that? Yeah, we played basketball there as um, as a group. This is probably a few years ago. Uh, one of my buddy's wives rented out the gym for two hours, and we played there on a Sunday afternoon. That's pretty cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the Indiana Hall of Fame, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame in Newcastle. And Are they, they were... staying at the Steve Alford Inn? The, the big shoe is not still there. It's now by the Hall of Fame. It's no longer in front of the hotel. But the Steve Alford All-American Inn is still there. And we 
went from there to Newcastle Chrysler Fieldhouse, where Marcus put up about another 103 point shots. But for him to be able to see the gymnasium like that of uh, an Indiana high school, I mean, they just couldn't believe it, right? Um, and then we got a chance to see the improvements to Cambridge Fieldhouse, and people are going to be blown away. It really is amazing. Uh, the different entertainment. Danny Lopez had told us about it when he was on the show, Kevin, but it is it is beautiful. Uh, the Fieldhouse looks spectacular, and they opened up the very top of the Fieldhouse has kind of like Lucas Oil Stadium does, a window aspect where you can go to the very top and you can you know get drinks and either kind of go out onto a patio that overlooks the skyline of Indianapolis or walk up to the railing and look down and watch the game. So it's pretty cool. Pretty and cool stuff. you ran into a person that if I ran into, maybe some security would be called? Yeah, uh, just outside the arena as we were leaving, uh, Chris Duarte and Benedict Matherin. Um, like, oh, there we go, completely serendipitously. And uh, Marcus looked like you around Benedict Matherin. <laughs> Granted, he's, what, 15 years old, so maybe it's a little <laughs> bit more acceptable than it would have been if I Correct. would be in that elevator. Uh, but it was it was a good day overall, no That's question awesome. about it. So it was cool. Um, Pacers media day yesterday, so Correct. Benedict and Duarte wrapping up that. Uh, we'll play some Miles Turner audio here in a little bit. He made it clear that he would like to just address the trade rumors one time. Kind of let off his press conference yesterday with that. The, the Turner dynamic for this season, Jake, is so fascinating on many fronts. Um, you know, first off, can he stay healthy? And this guy has had two foot injuries each of the last two seasons and has missed half the games. Um, he's a solo big. This is what he's wanted throughout his entire career. Um, he gets that opportunity. He's playing with an extremely past first point guard in Tyrese Halliburton for the first time in his career. Those two never played last season. And then obviously you've got the elephant in the room with him in a contract year of if he plays well, if he stays healthy, does he want to be here long term? There's so many layers to the Turner dynamic and what a huge year for him to be extremely self-motivated because this is probably the last time he's ever going to cash in, truly cash in in the NBA. I, I think the big thing for the Pacers with him is they want him it's not that they want him to be on the low block. They want him to be able to – he has to shoot the ball better. He's not a bad shooter, but I think that they feel like he has to become more reliable and more probably aggressive in his in his overall shot. Got to shoot the ball better. But And that whole dynamic, Jake, is going to be so fascinating. Wow, huge night for Turner. You know, 20 and 11. Man, this is what – you know, this is what he thought he could be. They lose Domas. He's now the lone big. And then in the back of your head, you're thinking – was he just going to walk next summer? Are the Pacers just going to get zero in return for him? It's a big gamble, right? Never been an un- unrestricted free agent in his career. Um, again, a week ago tomorrow, or uh, yeah, week 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 from Wednesday. Gosh, I'm struggling. Um, the Pacers will open up their preseason. But their preseason home opener is not for a while. So those looking to see the inside of Banker's Life or uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, um, I don't believe that is until the second week. Uh, post October. Malone this weekend, though. Maybe. What's that? Maybe. I don't know. He said he fractured some ribs, and they oh, had to really? cancel another okay. show over the weekend. Really? Him and Justin Herbert. Yeah. Well, he was walking on his stage, and there's like a platform that obviously didn't close all the way, and he went to turn, he walked, and he just right on the corner. Cracked like three ribs. Uh, does Vegas know everything? Did they have what happened yesterday? 
The final score last night, Cowboys-Giants. The final was, what, 23-16? And we said yesterday the over-under is 39. Uh, Unbelievable. Does Vegas know everything or do teams know Vegas? Like, is Cooper Rush like, okay, I need a completion here, I need an incompletion here. Daniel Jones is like, all right, it's start starting to act like I'm Daniel Jones. Like, Saquon Barkley's like, I need to be the best player on the field to help us get to the Vegas number. Guys, we're going to hit 39. We're going to have a boring first half, and then we're going to really turn mm-hmm. it on. Right, yeah. Appease Pat McAfee on the Manning cast during the second quarter with a ton of punts, and then we're going to turn it on a little bit there in the second half. Cowboys win 23-16, to so just two undefeated teams now left in the NFL. That would be the Dolphins and the Eagles. Jake, we've talked about this before. Guys that I really enjoy watching play their respective sports, I would throw Saquon Barkley into that mix. He is so gifted. He he is. So natural, so fluid. I know health has been a major issue for him, but when that dude is on the field, he just, at 230 pounds, he moves differently than anybody else playing football right now. It just, it feels like he has been kind of corralled in New York, though. Like, they've just never been able to get him uncorked and going, right? I think that's really fair. I mean, you're right. When he's – he reminds me of – and I'm, I'm going to really go with a dated reference here, Kev, so I apologize. It's not a very good one. But he reminds me of the Buick engine at the Indy 500 of the late 80s, early 90s. Like, everybody knew it was faster than everybody. Everybody knew it had more power. But because of the fact that, like – it never lasted 200 laps. The drivers always had to baby it to the point where it allowed everybody else to catch up to it. But in brief glimpses, you're like, whoa. And that's... He was taking number two overall. I know. You know I mean, that's... You aren't going to see that from a running back. I mean, in college, you saw, obviously, what this guy can do, right? Oh, sure. I mean, Indiana and Purdue fans felt the brunt of it. Um, so, yeah, the Cowboys get that done. Cooper Rush now 3-0 and as a starter. Uh, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott combined for 178 on the ground, and the Cowboys moved to 2-1 and one on the year. We got a nice one coming up Thursday night. Uh, who is the Thursday night game? Miami-Cincinnati. Hey, how about Miami? Now, let me tell you something. Uh, Tampa is now in Miami. Did you see that? Due to Hurricane... The Bucks have taken... have evacuated to Miami to practice there, which is... I hate to sound like a cynic here. That's Look, they know the weather, weather better than I, but you would think that if you were in Tampa and you had to evacuate from an incoming hurricane, you would go north. I would think like to Atlanta or something like that. So it must be coming right through the Gulf? But they, Yeah, it's coming across the Gulf. So they evacuated to Miami. My cousin, Valerie, um, works for the state in the health department, and so she is helping – set up and kind of oversee some of the evacuation shelters. Oh, wow. And she told me, she texted me last night and, listen, she's terrified. I mean, I, this thing's supposed to be big. and uh, So I hope it skips directions. Without question. Obviously, this is far down the radar of importance, but relevance to our show, uh, Tampa hosts Kansas City, I believe, Sunday night football. So, you well, know, there's, I, there's no way they're going to do that, right? I feel like every year, Jake, this sort of story happens like there's a Tuesday or a Wednesday and you're like hey we're gonna watch New Orleans's game this weekend we're gonna watch Miami's game this weekend because there is a tropical storm slash hurricane brewing and I feel like it's always like Lucas Oil Stadium is a possibility to host the game 
I feel like they always throw the Colts yes, stadium right. on that there. That is correct. That does happen every year. Correct. Um, so will Kansas and it's never actually come to fruition, no, right? No, no, no. Yeah. So will Kansas City be playing here? Again. Again? And will Rodrigo Blankenship be kicking for them? Did you see they gave the scissors to the guy yesterday? Matt Amendola, their kicker from Sunday? <laughs> so he's was still that here. Scissors impression was that was. You know, you know. Uh-huh. Actually, Kevin, they might just use him then again because maybe he's still hanging out at the J Dub. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. He just never left. Boy, they he went straight to Slippery Noodle. Yeah, Capital Grill is great. You know, <laughs> variety on their menu. Well, here. no. Once you get released, you go from Capital Grill to Shake Shack. But you're still you're cool, sure. right? And the new Shake. I be, there's a new candy place. You know, as well downtown. He could have ventured to. Yeah, I tweeted out on Sunday. I just I probably would have cut him before the two minute warning. Do they do a mega bus to Kansas City? <laughs> Depends on how early they buy the tickets, right? <laughs> Depending on how much the tickets cost. My sister-in-law was in Kansas City on Sunday, ironically enough, visiting some friends, and she sent us a video of like a really cool, cool plaza area, just a sea of red, watching the Chiefs game on Jumbotron. And here are her and four of her, five of her blue-clad Colts fans sitting there at a table and... They got the last laugh on Sunday. Hey, Kansas City's a great city. I'm telling you. I, I, I didn't necessarily – when I went to KU, I did not have the best of experiences, but that's on me. And I have since come to learn that, you know, Kansas City is Indianapolis, basically just 500 miles west of here. But the people are great. It's it's in a pretty area. The plaza's beautiful. Kansas City is a cool city. The only problem being, if you live in Kansas City, uh, you know, you're here you're a three-hour road trip from like seven different cities. There you're a three-hour road trip from Wichita. I was going to say, how far was Lawrence? Just like Bloomington to Indy. So an hour, 50, 55 minutes. But then after that, nothing but the drive from here to Chicago for six hours, actually like nine hours before you get to Denver. Just flatland. Plenty of Colts chatter to get to today. We teased it a couple times yesterday, the Shaquille Leonard situation. If you would have watched Shaquille Leonard on the sidelines on Sunday, you would think he's got to be close to playing. I mean, hell, his celebration when Rodney McLeod had the game-sealing interception, he definitely looked like a guy that is very close to playing. Um, as I said yesterday, it's weird. It's a murky injury situation. Um, we'll explain more coming up later. A lot of offensive line-related questions for Frank Reich yesterday. We'll throw some of that audio at you. One thing, I don't know if we really harped on yesterday, but I want to give credit to Gus Bradley, Jake. I think it's rare for in week three to see a team make some of the secondary changes the Colts made on Sunday. They made three rather notable lineup changes. And they did it in the week that they're playing Patrick Mahomes. I don't think you oftentimes see that. And yet, those three guys all played very solid football for you and were huge reasons why. They're not you know, necessarily in the Jelani Woods highlight reel category you're going to see on Colts.com, but they are... They were really, really important to the defense earning that game ball. One would be Rodney McLeod starting over rookie Nick Cross. The other would be Isaiah Rogers finally seeing his first defensive action of the season. And then the third, Jake, would be a seventh-round pick in Rodney Thomas out of Yale being inserted over Nick Cross and do you think that's when peculiar? Julian Blackman got hurt. Do you think that's peculiar that he got in over Cross? My initial reaction was yes, because I thought what they would do is they would move Rodney McLeod to free safety, 
let Nick Cross stay at his normal strong safety spot where he's you know played and started this season. Therefore, McLeod would be your final line of defense. You're not worried about balls necessarily being thrown over his head. But clearly, they felt comfortable with Rodney Thomas. And Jake, I know people will totally discredit this. And I trust me, I'll be the first to acknowledge at times it is overblown. But what you saw with Rodney Thomas on Sunday is a reason why Chris Ballard believes in having the high character trait. Here's a guy that didn't sniff playing week one or week two. But yet he's a Yale product. He trains all week behind the scenes and thinks to himself, man, I'm one injury away. And when he went in the game against Patrick Mahomes, he didn't pee down his leg. He held his own. And I do believe an element of that is this is a high character guy, self-motivated, not going to half-ass it during the week, even though he's not a starter and didn't play the first two weeks of the season. And when Julian Blackman went out, which again, I think is more difficult in a chaotic moment when a guy comes out of the game, you know, Rodney Thomas could have been there on the sidelines through the first quarter and a half thinking, oh man, this is pretty nice. Fun atmosphere for the home opener. (laughs) I'm enjoying just running down on kickoffs. That's my only job today. Boom. Blackman comes out and Mahomes didn't really test Thomas at all. And when he did, Thomas held his own. So kudos to Gus Bradley. Kudos to those three guys in the secondary. Because again, I don't think, I don't think we saw it a lot with Matt Eberflus changing in personnel. Clearly the Colts were frustrated to some degree with what Nick Cross was doing. And uh, they made some changes, and uh, it benefited really well for him. Did you see the story yesterday about Miles Garrett with the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, um, swerving, some rodent was in the middle of middle of the street, and he swerved and flipped the car. Wet road, swerved to avoid an animal. Um, have you ever hit an animal with your car? Yesterday, I thought I killed this bunny. I don't know how the bunny got through. Um, yes, I have killed the rodent. It's, I mean, it's... I've, I I had a possum like a month ago. I felt terrible. Sure. You know? I've had some um, close moments with deer. Yeah, and that, let me tell you something. I, I've not hit a deer, but I know that if you hit a deer, like it can be dangerous. And you know where, honestly, it's right outside the Colts complex. Yeah, with, I believe that. With Eagle Creek. Right by Eagle Creek. You know, yeah. right there. Um, Now so he's okay, Garrett? He is, well, he, he was hospitalized with, quote, non-life-threatening injuries. So, I, you know, I don't know. And there was a woman in the Listen, car? Listen, correct. Um, non-life-threatening doesn't mean that you're ready to just go out and play football, right? I mean, who knows what that means for his... Listen, I'm not... I mean, did you see the car? Did you see the pictures? It's said it flipped three times, right? Yeah. It's wild. So he overcorrected on wet pavement in a Porsche. I would assume he probably was going at a pretty decent rate. Uh, but no, no impairment was a factor. He was leaving their team facility, correct? Is that what it was? And um, at Atlanta for so football is secondary. I realize in situations like that, but you wonder what that means in terms of his health, nonetheless. Speaking of cars, and no real smooth transition to this, Jake, but no more Jimmy Johnson as a full-time IndyCar driver. Correct. Um, Not a huge surprise, you know what? And I have not looked into it yesterday because I was, you know, kind of running around. But I, you haven't Vegemite in Crown Hill. (laughs) Let's have a picnic in the cemetery. Actually, Michael did say, he's like, I'll never forget the first time you showed me around Indy, you took me to the cemetery. I thought you were a serial killer. Um, Look at this fresh grave. <laughs> Get a closer look. Michael, you might need ex- I might need to exchange numbers for Michael. We, 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 I've been down. We, we can share some stories. <laughs> he said he's gonna, they're going to come in tomorrow and bring you Vegemite, Kevin. Um, did he say it smelled like pork chops at some point, like Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> that was just bad pork chops. 
So meat's bad. <laughs> that is the line he used. Yes, he yeah, had that very own. rehearsed, didn't Parents he? Parents sent fresh meat and it went bad. Don't know what happened. Uh, I'm sorry. What were we talking about just before uh, that? We were talking about Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, he, Jimmy Johnson. He did say I, there are some bucket list Listen, racing items that he still wants to take part in. I think he's still going to run the 500. I was going to say, that that makes me think the Indy 500 will still be part. But I did not get a chance yesterday to ask, nor I didn't read the article, so I don't know, and I apologize for that, um, if that means that there is an open seat with Ganassi. I, I would imagine no, because that seat was made available by Carvana sponsorship. Gosh, so many Carvana commercials watching IndyCar. Yeah, I mean, they were a big part of Jimmy Johnson's thing, for sure. Jake, I don't know how comparable, and you would be better to ask, how comparable you can make a Jimmy Johnson analogy to guys in other sports, but I have such respect for him doing this the last two years in IndyCar. He was, if you went off his results, I mean, frankly, he was a joke. Like, I mean, he was... If you knew nothing about racing and you look at Jimmy Johnson's IndyCar resume, you'd be like, why the hell was he racing? Yeah, that's 20th fair. every race? But credit for him for trying something new. I think it says IndyCar is really difficult to do, particularly, you know, the ovals seem to be a little bit more of a easier pathway for him. It seemed to be the street and the road courses where he really, really struggled. Uh, but I just have a ton of respect for him challenging himself, wanting to do something, uh, doing it for a couple of years. And I hope he continues to race in the 500 because I thought last year, and you pointed this out all through the month of May, I mean, he was a guy that we needed to keep an eye on, not only in qualifying, but in the race itself. Well, you know, I think I told you, Dario Franchitti once told me that going from IndyCar to NASCAR was like going from a Corvette to a school bus is the way he described it. They just drive totally differently. They feel totally different. And you throw in the fact that Jimmy Johnson had predominantly been an oval racer. I shouldn't say that. I mean, he'd done some road and street course stuff. But, you know, it's different learning the road and streets, but just learning Indy cars in general and the shifting and the weight and the balance and everything else. Um, towards the end there, he actually started to show some progress, to be honest with you. But I think he just he wanted to try it. He wanted to run the 500. I think he will still run the 500. Um, now, well, one of the – Bushes be running, not George, but Kyle or Kurt. I believe Kyle Bush will be running. Here is my prediction. This is my prediction on what what is today, September? 27th. September 27th. Happy birthday to Sue Hillary. Here is my prediction. Oh, Sue, I was waiting for her to send me some audio of your uh, <laughs> wishing you happy birthday, but that text never got to her, maybe. She was making Buckeyes. Um, my prediction today, Kyle Bush will run the Indianapolis 500 for Aaron McLaren. Now, was he the one that did it in 20, like 13 or 14, or was that his brother? That was Kurt Busch. So I believe Kyle Busch will do it, and I believe he'll do it for Aaron McLaren. Is Kyle the more demonstrative of the two? Yes. Kyle Busch, I will tell you this real quick. I love this. I love names in the 500. I think it's great. Totally agree. Uh, Kyle Busch is seen as a bad boy. Rowdy's his nickname. You know, he's kind of a, a brat for sure. I've told this story on the air before, so I'll do it in short form. But several years ago for the Brickyard 400, I was walking in on the morning of the race, walking in the media center. Kyle Busch was walking out after having done a morning presser of some sort. And there was a kid about 10 years old with a little notepad and he had a little hat on that said press. And he walked out, Kyle Busch walked out of the media center and this kid stopped him and said like, I'm doing a school report. Can I interview you? And Kyle Bush's PR person was like, son, we, unfortunately, we got a schedule to keep. And Kyle Bush literally stopped the PR person and looked at him and was like, dude, seriously? 
Like, what do we have to do? And the PR person's like, oh, okay. And I went upstairs and did what I had to do. And when I left, Kyle Busch was still sitting inside inside the media center now in the media room with this little kid answering every question. And I've always thought, you know what? He can be the biggest difficult hassle for, you know, every AP TV radio guy out there or gal that's an adult. But he was cool to that kid, and that, I always thought that was cool. Part of me is a little surprised conspiracy theory Jake wouldn't have said that the PR person did that on purpose to make Kyle even look better in that moment. <laughs> That's, how did you know I'm a – do you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, really? Is it because my last name starts with Q? Is that it? Is that what you're I, going with? Well, you usually rock the hat, right? But you get some looks with the hat. Uh, I used to wear the hat with the letter Q on it, and then enough people started coming up to me talking about Pizzagate that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to retire this for a while. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton across the way. The sun's starting to rise on this Tuesday morning. Looks like another nice day, kind of a, a crisp start. I thought about going on a walk with Max about 4.30, and I walked outside, and whoo, man. I mean, it's got to be in the 40s. It was it was 48 degrees this morning. I was yep. going to say, it's got to be in the 40s to start this Tuesday morning. A lot of cold stuff to get to. Jeff Saturday, if you missed any of that, we'll replay some of that coming up in about 10 minutes. Jelani Woods, Colts rookie tight end, joins us at 9 o'clock. Kevin and Quarry right here, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. To you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, well, excuse me. We'll begin with Major League Baseball because it was a pretty dry slate yesterday. Pirates over the Reds 8-3. It was the Braves blanking the Nationals 8. Love Yankees on the short end of the Blue Jays 3-2. And cute fella, Baltimore over the Red Sox 14-8. Indianapolis Indians, by the way, on the road to close things out for the year. Uh, the close one, but clipped in Columbus 17-1. to Aaron Judge, one for three, two walks yesterday. No homers for him. That's that's a pretty long dry spell for him, I feel like. Six games. Yeah, Yeah, that is kind of getting up there for him. Um, Pacers had their media day yesterday. Obviously, the elephant in the room, Miles Turner. As Chad Buchanan said with us last week, they expect Miles Turner to be out there on opening night. Here was Turner yesterday on the continuing and pretty much annual trade rumors involving him. Yeah, I man, I'll go ahead and address it here, right here. This is the only time I'll be addressing it this year. I want to make sure everybody knows that. Yeah, elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, this is my eighth season. You know, what I've been in trade rumors past four or five years. Uh, that's something that I know that I'm numb to. It's something that's just, it's just whatever what comes with this business. Um, there are no hard feelings in this business. You know, you have to take the emotions out of everything, and I've learned that um, at a young age, and I still hold true to that. Um, you know, my job is to come in here and, you know, to help these young guys now, man. I'm no longer the young guy in the locker room, you know, 26 years old and one of the oldest in the room. And that's uh, something that's a new position for me. And um, one of the things I want to take a lot of pride in as well. So that's where all my attention lies. As long as I'm in this uniform, I'll go out there and represent the state how I'm supposed to represent it and represent myself in the same manner. Now, here's my question for you. A couple of things. First off, it's amazing to think at 26 – that Miles Turner is the older veteran in the locker room, right? Um, Part of me thinks he's like the oldest tenured pacer by far. Yeah, c- correct. In terms of time on this roster, Who's for next? sure, right? Goga? Um, if there was another pacer that you had to choose to hear from on this program, Kevin, you would choose who? I mean, like in terms of personality? No, nah, just in terms of your guys. Oh, uh, well... Matherin, but uh, I probably teach him McConnell second. Okay, but 
over Benedict Matherin? Well, I'm trying to make sure that okay. I properly restrain well, myself. He's trying to avoid a restraining yeah. order. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh The restraining order has already been broken because Benedict Matherin had this to say. Hey, what's good, Kevin? Thank you for your support. Harry, you're a big fan of the Pacers. Um, I'm here, you know, supporting you. You support me. And I'm really excited. You know, I'm really excited for the season. And uh, looking forward to do some damage and get some wins. Let's go. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, that is great. I want to know if the Pacers said, now, no, this is for like a 10-year-old boy yeah, exactly. or something. This isn't for a 30-year-old yeah. radio so, host. 33-year-old father, too, has a big crush on you. It might so have gone new, a little different, I the feel The new like. PR director extraordinaire, Mike Preston, yesterday sent me a thing. was like, hey, what's Kevin's... Email. I would have sent him this from Benedict Mather, and I go, no, 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 no. You got to send that to Mark or to me, and we'll get that on the air. Did either of you guys come across the Benedict Mather and Players Tribune piece that he wrote? Yeah, not. Mm-hmm. Pretty well done. We we can get into that a little bit later in the week. Uh, anything to make of the Turner comments? Um, I mean, how do you not? They they sound great to me, Jake. But like when the DeAndre Ayton offer sheet happens, how do you not? have a human element that you're like, damn. No, I get it, but I do believe that he is being sincere because I think that he and Kevin Pritchard sat down and had had pretty honest and open discussions, and I think the Pacers were, you know, it's like when I asked Chad Buchanan that question, do you, do you have to assess how a player will react to hearing their names, their name in trade rumors before you see how public you are about the fact that players on the, on the potential block. Um, it is true that I think that Miles Turner is used to it and is aware of it. But I do think when, when he says like, hey, listen, we're on pretty good terms here. We've got the, I, I think that's genuine. I do. Because I think that he and the Pacers brass, at least right now, are on the same page. I do believe it's that. It's going to be fascinating to watch that unfold. Again, the Pacers begin training camp today. A week from tomorrow is the first preseason game. Uh, Monday Night Football last night, the Cowboys 23, the Giants 16, Cooper Rush. Jake, I, I, I don't know how much you call it. You're obviously out to dinner, but Cooper Rush like looks like a competent backup. Yeah, well, he did last year when he got in, right? I, I can't. What game was that where he kind of burst onto the scene and everybody was familiar with him for the first time and his family was there and they won? Kind of a cool story. Um, for sure. Cut by the Giants, actually. Um, did you watch the Manning cast? I did. Yeah, McAfee was on in the second quarter. I'm still confused. Is it going to be McAfee and his boys Saturday night doing the Clemson-NC State game as the McAfee cast? I mean, that's how it was labeled as. It says college football with the Pat McAfee show. And then I assume he'll have some guests. I would imagine so. But it's not going to be Peyton and McAfee. I mean, it's an Omaha Productions, but I don't know if Peyton's a part of it. I don't believe Peyton's a part of it, right? Isn't that right? I, I think that is accurate. Uh, McAfee loved it. I mean, all, all the punts and everything. I do enjoy when he comes on because they do have some reminiscing about their rather brief overlap here in Indianapolis. And so I do enjoy, you know, a few of the cult stories from those. What McAfee, I think, was drafted in 2009. So those final three seasons that Manning was here. I did not catch Tracy Morgan, though. I, I went to bed at the start of the third quarter. So so did most people watching that game. It well, got better at the end, though. It did. Then the second half, all of a sudden there. Um, all right, uh, when we come back, Jeff Saturday, uh, if you guys missed any of that conversation with him, we had him on to close out the show yesterday. We'll replay some of that. Jelani Woods, Colts tied in, going to join us at 9 o'clock. And the Pacers TV voice, Kristen Neri, will round out the show here on what looks like a very nice Tuesday morning 
Uh, but a very crisp start to this Tuesday. Kevin and Corey, 93.5-1075, The Fan. So each Monday after a Colts win, Jeff Saturday joins us on this program on Kevin and Quarry. Yesterday, because of traveling, he joined us at the very end of the program. So as a result of that, we're going to replay a little of it right now, beginning with the question that I asked him off the very top, which was coming off of that game on Sunday. I was curious for Jeff Saturday, was this more about a game the Colts won or perhaps simply the Chiefs lost it? Oh, you can't rain on my parade this morning, bro. I, I ain't looking at, I ain't looking, I'm not looking at any win in a negative way. We'll take them however we can get them. Uh, did, did the Chiefs, uh, did they hurt themselves for sure? But, but, but we took full advantage of it. And uh, I think that's what you have to do in the NFL, man. It's hard to win. And, and again, it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, it wasn't like you looked at it and go, man, the Colts just played super clean. The Chiefs did as well, and we just outperformed uh, a team at their best. But Look, man, you have off days, and, and the Chiefs did, and uh, the Colts, when they when they had to make plays, made them. And I think those are the things you build on. You know, you can't, um, you know, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth, bro. When it when it when it presents itself, take advantage of it, and that's what they did. Jeff, I think a unit that deserves the entire unit deserves a game ball would be the defense. I I just felt like they hung in there, hung in there. You know, bend but don't break has such a negative connotation, I feel like, to fans. But they did that. They forced field goals. And I thought that was a difference, keeping it at a one-score game. Because your offense had struggles, certainly. Um, but I, I felt like for how poorly the defense played the week prior, Gus Bradley had yeah. some issues last year against Mahomes. I thought rush and cover, you know, the run defense, everybody, great work by that unit. I fully agree. Look, I, I think when you look at their uh, the, the second half in particular, I, I thought they played lights out, man. I mean, look, you you uh, they, they harassed Mahomes uh, frequently. He was never comfortable. Um, I, I know, Kel, you know, Kelsey drops one in the end zone, but but other than that, um, just kind of glaring error. I mean, they they made them like you said, earn it, and then. Uh, Kansas City obviously helped them with some of the uh, some of the plays they made, but man, that defense um, for 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 as rough as they had a go of it last week. To your point, against a, an incredible uh, quarterback and really offensive system, uh, I thought they did. I thought they met the challenge, and you're 100 percent right. Give them the game ball because they kept you in it. And and when when you felt like our offense wasn't going to get it done, uh, they kept you right in there, man. So so good fight by those guys, and I know they got to be proud of that effort. Jeff, we talked about this earlier. Jeff Saturday's our guest. The emergence yesterday, one game does not a season make. I say that a lot. But the emergence of Jelani Woods yesterday, is that relegating further down now? You know, I think the Colts had been waiting for Moali Cox to show that he can be a reliable, uh, in particular, red zone receiver for Matt Ryan last year for Carson Wentz. Did they now all of a sudden find that extra $10 bill in their pocket doing the wash, and that now pushes Moali Cox a little further back on that timeline? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, listen, when, whenever you, you know, whenever you feel like in the red zone that you, you have an advantage by, by physical size or just, you know, sheer speed, whatever, whatever it is athletically or genetically that you have that you want to take advantage of it, and I feel like that's what they found yesterday. And, 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 and here's the deal. Like, usually in the red zone, and I say this usually because some teams, you know, go up, but, but, the, but the rule, not the exception, is it's players, not plays, down in the red zone, right? Is, is that you start going, okay, who are the players that I'm going to feature and how can I get them the ball? So when you find guys like that, that that's, 
Um, you know, between the twenties, maybe he's not the guy you're going to consistently depend on. But man, when you get down that red zone, you start circling, going, "Hey, matchup's going to be tough for these guys." I think that's what they found. Ryan found it early, uh, and then obviously the last play. But but uh, big time performance for him. And I, I think it was Frank or somebody in the locker room at the end was like, "Welcome to the NFL" or something. So I know I know everybody was uh, was fired up for him. But I, I do I think it's players, not plays, down there, and he, he performed. Uh, uh, at a high level yesterday down there. Jeff Saturday's with us. No one better to ask about the offensive line than Jeff. A lot of free rushers yesterday. Matt Ryan has been sacked 12 times in the first three weeks of the season. Um, it just seems to be like a little bit of miscommunication, obviously individual breakdowns as well. But I wanted to get your thoughts in your history, Jeff. Who handles stuff at the line of scrimmage when it comes from a pass protection standpoint? Is it a collaboration center quarterback? Is it the quarterback has the final say? Is it the center has the final say? How does that typically work on game days? Well, when, when uh, you know, when I was there, it was, you know, I would always set it. And then if there needed to be a change, uh, you know, 18 would make the change. So if he saw something or felt something was going to be different, uh, but we, we would do all that stuff through the week, honestly. I mean, we spent hours and hours, uh, you know, blitz breakdowns, blitz tapes, uh, him going back and asking me, okay, on that play, what would you have called? Just so he had an idea of, of you know, where my mind was. And he would say, okay, I, I like that. But, you know, be aware just in case of this, uh, you know, I may, I may slide you one linebacker weak or one linebacker strong kind of whatever that looks like. And so we had a, a ton of communication. It's hard with a new quarterback. but but And also, we haven't played good. I mean, we haven't played good up front. I mean, you know, we've we played okay. We played okay uh, week one. I thought we played pretty good uh, last week, obviously not. And again, and, and it's not just one guy. I mean, this is this is everybody taking turns. And, and that's a good group. I mean, they, they were physical up front. They had a good plan. Uh, Spagnuolo, their, their defensive coordinator, has, has always had a reputation of, of bringing heat and and uh, and putting a lot of pressure on you, and so it, it's not just the O line. You know, some of it does fall on the quarterback, some of it falls on you know tight ends. Just there's a number of different things as I watch it, um, and they just got to find their groove because it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And uh, but again, you, you get a win, you go back and work on it, a much better attitude than than had you been you know going o o two and one for sure. Jeff Saturday, you played in the league. You know football. You know more about football than the three of us combined, right? We know this. So my question for you is: When you are watching the Colts, give me the player that is performing right now for Indianapolis that a football guy recognizes their contribution that the average fan in the stands may not. Ooh, man, that's a great question. Probably Gilmore. I would tell you is. Um, what he's done on the back end of that for that defense. I mean, even the play yesterday um, at the end of the game, the tip, I know the pick goes, uh, doesn't go to him, but um, he is, uh, he is a defining factor in the back end of that end zone. And again, from a team, I mean, I know we got some pressure yesterday that we have not gotten really pressure back there. Uh, he had a heck of a day, man. And he's one of those guys that um, when you think about how you build a defense and what you need, his his skill set is is spectacular, and so uh, I thought what he did yesterday again the tip at the end to win it. But um, he's a guy that you can help you know, that you can build again. And as you're waiting on you know Shaquille Leonard to get back, as you're waiting on some of your pieces and parts uh, to, to to find their form, 
uh, he, he gives you a great comfort on that back end. So, that, so that's where I would head if I said if there's one guy that's really – you know that you'd circle and say, "Hey, he's he's a." I just say he's a dude, right? Like, like that, it sounds silly, but whenever I look at Phil, I go, "He's a dude, right?" Like this is a guy that you know it's an it's an all day affair. Uh, Gilmore is the guy right now. Again, the full Jeff Saturday podcast available on our podcast page. Kevin and Corey, I think some interesting offensive line related comments that we can hit on coming up in the eight o'clock hour, um, and a little bit on the Shaquille Leonard front. We teased that yesterday when. And why, I guess, probably is the better question to be asked. Why has he missed all this time? Um, we'll touch on that. Jelani Wood's going to join us at 9 o'clock. Colts tied in, the hero from Sunday's win over the Chiefs and Kristen Airy to round things out here after Pacers Media Day. Kevin Aquari, 8 o'clock hour, coming up. Kevin, it is not a broken wing, but rather originally a sore ankle led to the discovery that it was a back issue. And then some procedures for Shaquille Leonard. And we've talked about this. You had mentioned it yesterday. But I want you to elaborate on it. I'm going to give you the floor here. When it comes to Shaquille Leonard, who is clearly an integral part of this defense, and his return, certainly on the sidelines, if you looked up on the video boards at the game on Sunday, um, energy, enthusiasm, and movement was not an issue, at least listen I realize cheering and being on the field two different things but um, we await the return of Shaquille Leonard so I want you to to give your interpretation of what the buzz might be about him right now yeah you know I said the phrase yesterday Jake and I know it stirred up some conversation on Twitter that the Shaquille Leonard injury situation to me has some Andrew Luck elements in it Um, I think there are several of them is this guy abruptly retiring from football one of those elements? No, not at all. I do not see that happening, so I want to make that very clear. When I say that there are some luck elements, it's a star player. It's an extremely weird injury. Jake, listen to how you described it coming out of the break. I feel the same way every time I describe the injury. I, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> you know, it's like right. one play last year, he looks like an all-pro. The next play, he looks like you or I. And... In May, Shaquille Leonard is up there talking about how they feel like they have everything handled from a surgery standpoint, and then a few weeks later, he's having back surgery to correct the ankle pain. So the the diagnosis and the normalcy, if you will, to this injury is not there at all. It's weird. It's murky. It's been difficult, again, to diagnose. And so I think that has some luck elements to it. Um, I think another part that you can make a comparison to is we are now four straight weeks into Shaquille Leonard practicing. He's practiced full in six straight sessions. That is a long time on the practice field not to be returning to game action. So I do think that falls into the similarity category. And I think the last part of it, and again, this isn't, me saying that all of a sudden Shaquille Leonard is going to have a press conference to retire tomorrow. But Leonard himself in the spring, Jake, openly said that the love that he has for the game of football faced some questions last year. And the incredible passion that he has, which we all saw on display on the sideline, frankly, on Sunday, that came into question. I think part of it was his physical health and the frustration 
over pinpointing that injury. Again, he looked like the best defensive player for chunks of last season. Then in other moments, he looked like a liability. How That's got to be frustrating for Leonard. Um, he had a death in his family. He had people close to him get sick. I think how the season ended, he mentioned, was a huge, huge deal for him as well. Um, so I think that is something that falls in line with the luck situation as well. I know that's maybe a little bit of a – it's always kind of a jarring statement to compare the two, but I, I want to try and make it clear of where I think the two have some overlap. Um, I think why Leonard has not played this season comes down to this, Jake. He is not totally comfortable being on the football field at 80%. That's where he's at. And when he watches film himself in practice and compares it to his normal self, he doesn't feel like he is there. He's not totally confident being out there at 80 or 90%. And I think that's why we have not seen him yet this season. So if you had to guess, when will we? And I I want to preface with I'm just asking you your guess here. I don't want people to think that. I'm asking you for inside info. To me, it seems like it's rather close. I I would. Part of me says this. If it's not Sunday against Tennessee, why would it be Thursday against Denver? You know, the Colts play twice here in a five-day stretch coming up. You don't practice next week. So I think it's either this Sunday or we don't see him again until is it Jacksonville after the Denver game, or is it Tennessee so. again? It's either Tennessee or Jacksonville. Um, I, I to, to answer your question, Jake, and I try to be brutally honest in everything I say, I don't have a great gauge on it. I, I Maybe this weekend, but Leonard has got to watch that film of him in practice, and he's got to feel confident. And Titan, I just, Titans at Broncos and then Jaguars 10 days after that. Basically, he doesn't want to go out there on the football field and go through what he did last year. And that is where he said in the spring, you know, I fell out of love for the game. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I mean, those are some pretty eye-popping comments to hear from a guy that I think just has such an innate and genuine love and passion for the game of football. You golf, right? I do. I've never golfed, but I and I know that I've mentioned this before. I've I've shot baskets, played basketball my entire life. When I was a kid, I would go next door and shoot baskets in the driveway for hours on end by myself. I mean, that's played pickup ball with my buddies after school as long as I can remember. And a couple of years ago, I was at the gym and I was just shooting around by myself. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about my shooting motion. Something that I had like done involuntarily for 25 years. But I started thinking about every aspect in which the way that I was moving to the point where I was trying to think it through before I was doing it. And it was no longer instinctive. And it was mentally throwing off the way that I was shooting the basketball. Now, have you ever had that happen in golf where... Sure. Your swing becomes mental, and then all of a sudden you almost can't remember what it was like to do it yeah. instinctively. Praying for a swing thought to come back in your head to get you back on track. Yes. You have to wonder when someone like Shaquille Leonard goes through an injury where he is he was for a year probably 
moving his body in a way that was not natural because he was overcompensating for an area of pain or soreness is part of that, the mental aspect of finding again, just that involuntary movement of feeling comfortable. And think about again, how much it lingered in here in the year 2022. Like I said, in May, then Darius Leonard is up there at the press conference saying, we think we're done with procedures and surgery. And then a few weeks later, he's having back surgery because two nerves are sitting on two discs and they feel like that is necessary to be done to remove the pain in his ankle. Uh, Lyndon says this in the YouTube chat, Jake. Thinking about this from the opposite side of the spectrum, Kevin, do you think Leonard's cautiousness is being perpetrated by not wanting luck 2.0, i.e. the Colts don't want to push him back? I could see that. In other words, I could see that from there's both more parties. player control than you would th- more player power than you think. Let's play that Frank Reich audio, Mark, because I think Frank hints a little bit at that. This is Friday when Frank ruled Shaquille Leonard out, and I'm sitting there at the press conference thinking, man, that's four straight weeks of practice. That's 11 straight days he's practiced. 99.9% of guys, and to be fair, this Leonard injury I think is much more serious than the luck injury that ended up him retiring from there are obviously other luck injuries that I think played into it but luck's calf injury was not on the same scale that I think Leonard's injury is on but I sat there and thought to myself like what is what does Shaquille Leonard need to do to get final clearance to be on the field here was Frank Reich's answer to that really good week for Shaq really good week for Shaq um you know there's been incremental improvement every week um I would say this week was incremental plus, you know, just to try to give you guys some sense of where he's at. Um, He remains in great attitude, great spirits, great teammate. Um, What's left is he's got to know he can go out there and play winning football. That's the bottom line. He's got to know he can go out there and play winning football and feel confident in that. And that's mostly coming from him it's a conversation with everybody but deep down it's the player you know deep down the player's got to know he can go out there and play he can play winning football and help this team win and so that that's what that's where we got to get to and like i said this injury it's a it's a it's a bear so and he's fighting and scratching he is fighting and scratching every second every way he can to get back out on the field i promise you that i mean he is doing everything plus he can do to get back out there on that field it's killing him what you hear in there is a lot of praise for the player. What you hear in there as well is Shaquille does not feel totally confident in his ability to play winning football. And I think if you want to try and summarize this whole situation down to kind of one sentence, that's it for me. Shaquille Leonard does not feel totally confident in his ability to play football at the level that he wants to play it at. And therefore, he's not being out there. Devil's advocate. I understand that. But at what point does the investment that a franchise makes towards a player supersede the player's overall wishes of feeling of comfort? And I don't mean – if a player physically can't go, I get it. But at what point does a franchise say, or are we past that point in professional sports now, of it's a a very fine line and a balancing act that fascinates me about professional sports because – on one hand, you can say, I'm paying you millions of dollars, so therefore 
I need, as a result of that, the assurance from you that you are willing to push through some things to be available to me. The other side of that is I'm paying you millions of dollars, so therefore you are a very delicate investment that I want to make sure I'm getting the maximum out of it by assuring that you are able to give me 100%, and so therefore I'm not going to push you until you're ready to do so. I think the other side of it too, Jake, is do the Colts feel like he'd be a liability out there? That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean. Are they saying Bobby O'Karake and Zaire Franklin right now are in a better? Bobby O'Karake at 100% is is right now better than Shaquille Leonard at 70. Right. But not Shaquille Leonard maybe at 90. But he's not at 90 yet is what they're saying, right? Basically. And again, it seems like the player's driving a lot of that, but. I think that's a question you have to ask. This I would disagree with from from Harley. Uh, he goes, I think it was a wasted roster spot to not put Leonard on pup if he wasn't going to play the first four games of the season. The Colts, and this is a little bit more roster mechanics are getting into. The Colts have not had a ton of injuries early in the season. They have room to carry Leonard. And remember, if Leonard is on pup, he cannot practice. So if you would have put him on pup. You would be literally bringing him off that list. I believe it would be after this game. He can't practice before that Denver game because teams don't practice on those short weeks. Therefore, you'd be waiting to start what is now a four-week cycle in mid-October. He wouldn't be out there till Thanksgiving under that. So if you look at the Colts' injury situation through the first three games of the season, at most they've had one or two guys inactive due to injury. You have seven inactive spots on your roster each week. So I, I, it is not, there's not been a situation where it's like, man, you could use another tight end right now. Why is Leonard on the 53 man roster? It, it has not gotten to that point yet. I can't recall this and I'm embarrassed to say this. Did they play 16 or 17 games last year? 17. So in the last two years, the Colts have played 20 games now, right? 20 regular season games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, plus an over at least one overtime, so eighty-one quarters basically, right? I can't remember if they played any overtimes last year. Really putting that algebra to work today. I feel like well, one I'm of those. What I can here. Yeah. Did one of those Tennessee games go to overtime last year? Oh, we'll say hell yeah, eighty-two. <laughs> so in the last two years, they played eighty-two quarters of football. How many of those quarters of football do you think Andrew Luck sat and watched all the way through? If you had to guess. So eighty-one is is that the number you said? We'll say eighty-two. In case there was an extra overtime that we forgot about. So 82 quarters of football over the last two seasons. Last season and this season. I'd say half. 41 quarters. Gosh, so, they had a couple overtime games. Baltimore was the other one. Okay, so 83. So. Yeah, I mean, he's got nap time that he's got to be home for. I mean, what else is he dialing up? How so, many architecture documentaries can he watch? <laughs> you think he's watching the Dahmer documentary, Mark? That's uh, a bad park chops. <laughs> By the uh, way, he's getting his MBA in education. Really? Good for him. Now wait a minute. Prof. So is that what if you get an MBA, a Master's of Business Administration, in education? I I think so. So does that mean that he's that he's going to go into academic administration, right? Be a principal one day, or like a no running in the halls, please. (laughs) (laughs) He would Um, have a great voice for that. Could you slow down? Imagine the students just making fun of him. Ah, can you imagine? I mean, guys, you, kids are going out there, you know, they, they want to run the halls, you know. But he, <laughs> but my point being, at some point, 
he was not 100% in on football. Not even physically speaking, mentally speaking, he was not 100 I don't know that he ever was 100% in. Maybe he was, but is Shaquille Leonard there in that mental approach? Is he over it? I mean, his comments in the spring were, again, pretty eye-popping. I got a few of them here. I fell out of love with the game. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. I wasn't really smiling. This offseason, I stayed away from ball for probably two months. I realized I have to work on me as a person. I have to work on me showing my emotions and not allow people's comments to hurt me as much as it did. He has a... a Last year, I wasn't in the right mental space to hold everybody accountable, and I felt like the... I felt like I let the team down in that aspect the last two games. I felt we got comfortable with winning. We went down to the Cardinals. We won that game on Christmas night. I felt like that was our Super Bowl. A lot of people saw that as our Super Bowl, and we felt invincible. And we went down there and beat them with our backups. What was his... You know, Shaquille Leonard is, and I want to make very clear here, this is not me disparaging him in this regard at all. You know, I, I wrote a column on our website last week where I talked about my relationship with Dr. White and talked about how a huge part of that for me was in my early years of adulthood. You know, I went through a clinical depression, and Dr. White was somebody that was there for me. So I don't look down on that at all. I understand it. I relate to it. I'm empathetic about it. But because Shaquille Leonard is part of the Kicking the Stigma platform for the Colts, do we know? Has he ever said what it was that he? has a history of is it depression uh i don't i don't know if he said that uh, you know maybe he has in one of those kicking stigma kind of psas or one of those um as far as the off the field stuff this past off season or i should say in the past year you know he mentioned his cousin dying um, i believe his dad and his sister i think he said were both ill at some point um, you know, he's brought it up quite often about his brother's death you know, his brother died when he was, I think, around a teenage age, and I think that is what he's probably brought up the most. So I would assume some sort of depression involved. Uh, and in that, that would be totally understandable. And, and, I mean, Kevin, that can be difficult to overcome, right? The one thing that depression does do is it kind of zaps energy from you. And I can't imagine, cannot imagine being in a clinically depressed state and having to go out and, like, physically exert yourself like that. That'd be tough. And I have no idea that that's where he is right now. I want to be very clear on that. But if it is, I, listen, those things take time, man. It's not That's not easy. Anderson says, uh, seems mental for sure. Do the Colts have a sports psychologist on staff? I believe they do. I would imagine they do, right? I think that's been something teams have tapped into much more. And if they, you know, outsource that or whatever, I think now it's probably someone in-house. So, again, I, I think just to summarize it, Jake, with Leonard, it's that when he has practiced now for four straight weeks, when he has gone back and watched film, when he has kind of felt himself on the practice field, okay, do I feel like my normal self? He's not totally confident. He's not completely confident in himself. Here's a good point. If they would have put him initially on the pup list, how many games would he have missed? Four. But, again, could not practice then. So you would just be delaying – how many practices were training camp? He missed, I think training camp was 16 practices, so he missed all those. And then if I'm not mistaken, he practiced the first day they got back to their facility. So he's practiced 11. Um, he's almost made up for that. 11 times 
and they've had nine regular season practices, three each week leading into the game. He's been out there for all nine of those, and seven of the nine he's been a full participant and six straight full. Again, that's that's the weird, odd stuff to me, Jake, because if any – I mean, I can't think of one player for the Colts over the last decade who's practiced 11 straight days and not played in a game. Can't think of any. I mean, because luck – So okay. the whole luck situation, he was – he practiced at the start of camp, but then he like sat out for those two weeks in between, and it was weird. I mean, Leonard has been out there for every single hell. I think every single practice. So then, let me ask September. you this: Kevin ran down or Mark ran down the schedule here, Kevin. When you look at it, you got Tennessee upcoming, then you go at Denver, and you go Jacksonville, then at Tennessee. What is the benchmark game where you say to yourself, "Okay, if he's not back by this game, then I'm wondering about the season," or are we there? It's probably the first game after the Thursday nighter. You said that's Jacksonville, Mark? Yep. God, is that going to be? Ten days after that Is one. that the biggest game of the year? Could be. Yeah, October 16th, Jacksonville. Titans again right after that. I mean, that, that little slog there of. How about this stretch right here? Yeah, I mean. Tennessee, Denver on a short week, Jacksonville and Tennessee again. I want to say the second Tennessee game is uh, they come off a bye week. Well, what's the, crazy the is the Titans for that. What's crazy is by the time before Halloween, they're done with the division except for the typical end of the year home game against Houston, right? Which it's is wild. kind of, I mean, so what you play ten straight games, yeah, playing a divisional game, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. You're correct. Titans against the Colts this Sunday, then the Titans play at the Commanders, then the bye week, then they host the Colts. I mean, we'll get into this throughout the week. I cannot stress enough how important Sunday is. It's you've pretty already, big. You've already missed two divisional chances. Jacksonville's 1-0 in the division. They have the head-to-head on you. If you talk tiebreaker scenarios, divisional record is the thing next on the list. Head-to-head is first, then it goes divisional record. At best, you're going to get a split against Jacksonville. So that means you're already looking at that second tiebreaker. That would be divisional record. And right now, Jacksonville's 1-0. And you're 0-1-1. One and, one. and the Jaguars are putting it on, folks, <laughs> these last couple of weeks, too. They got Philly this week? At Philly, yep. Then Houston. And then They're the not going to win in Philly, right? What's that if, line? If Jacksonville wins in Philly, they are for real. This is the – to me, this is the te- – if Jacksonville wins in Philly, and I'm not saying Philly's outstanding, but that's a tough place to play. It's a hostile crowd. They've, they're playing well. They're unbeaten. If they go to Philly and win, then... Doug Peterson revenge game. That's right. If they go there and win, though, that's something, right? They are a six-and-a-half-point dog at the moment, so just a, under a touchdown favorite. The Eagles are a touchdown under a touchdown favorite. Eagles aren't losing that game, right? Boy, you're not kidding, though. If the Jaguars show up to Philly and take down Jalen Hurts, who's the early MVP frontrunner, yeah, that's that, that'd that, be impressive. That's a September or I guess October statement. That would be impressive. Now you want to talk about it, and team, that's coming off beating the Chargers. I realize Herbert's banged up, but still, and beating them by how many scores? What? I mean, they blew them out, right? Thirty-eight points they dropped. Now you want to talk about a team that's wounded right now? Well, I would throw the Chargers into that mix, but they're not as relevant here. The Tennessee Titans. When you think about what they've lost, either via trade or due to injury this season, they traded away A.J. Brown. Harold Landry tore his ACL. 
and Taylor Lewan. Was that also a torn ACL? I believe so. He's done for the season. Jake, that would be the equivalent of looking at this Colts team right now and taking away Michael Pittman, Yannick Ngakwe, and Braden Smith. Now, I'd like to know this. Can you imagine how we'd view this Colts team without Pittman, Ngakwe, and Braden Smith? Riddle, riddle me this. I know that this is right, but it doesn't feel right. I'm looking at the Colts, the, the standings right now. It has the Colts at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. What does that put their win percentage? Their win percentage would be one-third, right? They've won one-third of the games they've played. It has here their win percentage is 500. I'm like, I don't agree with that. Yeah, you got to – can you get the tutor on I mean, that I know one? that algebraically speaking, we can say that the ties cancel oh, each so other now out. now you drop the algebra – the guy gets a 90 on one <laughs> test, and now he drops those words. Uh, believe me, that, that thing's uh, – I mean, my, my so far this algebra grade is it is very much like the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're off to a good start, but we are not expecting this to hold. Okay, I, now, but one one and one is not five hundred, right? I'm with you. They've won one of their their winning percentage is one of three games. Greg said a tie is a half of a win and a half of a loss. So if that's the case. We really need a math teacher to um, explain. If it's a half a win and a half a loss, then that means that you are, there are four things. So you've got a full point for, yeah, I guess. So in that, in that scenario, then you have 1.5 on both sides. So that would be 1.5 and 1.5. Yeah. So 1.5 out of three would be 500. Okay. Michael says this, the takeaways are way down. Is that the new scheme? It cannot be just Leonard. I, I really think Leonard played a huge part in that. He is a big part of that. There's huge. no doubt. Run defense has been great. But, and Bobby O'Karake and Zaire Franklin have had a lot of moments. Jake, have you looked at them this season and thought, man, that's a near turnover for Bobby or Zaire? Yeah. No. I don't know that Bobby O'Karake, and listen. Which is fine. Like, I mean, it's why Shaquille Leonard I don't know is those, a Hall of Fame type talent. Yeah, I don't know that those guys put the fear in you the way a Shaquille Leonard does. There's no doubt about that. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is across the way. Jelani Woods, Colts tied in. The rookie is going to join us here at the top of the hour. It's time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Major League Baseball yesterday. Aaron Judge, no home runs. Blue Jays over the Yanks, 3-2. It was cute fella over the Red Sox, 14-8. Braves blanked the Nationals, 8-0. And the Reds losing to the Pirates, 8-3. Indianapolis Indians on the short end against Columbus, who were not just clipping. They, they had the entire uh, hedge whacker out, 17-1 over the Indians yesterday. Pacers media day was yesterday. Here was Rick Carlisle on a new era of Pacers basketball. This is a new era. Uh, I think an official new era of of. Pacers basketball, you know, and it's certainly a, a direction of youth. Um, it's a direction of uh, going all in on a group of guys that are young, talented, um, of extremely high character and tremendous upside. What I would add to that, Jake, is you're a little bit more modern in today's NBA landscape with how your roster looks. Uh, you're more athletic. You've got a little bit more speed, a little bit more length. I felt like more often than not in recent years, the Pacers were just outclassed in the athletic department. 
compared to other NBA teams. And speaking of a little more modern, uh, went to the field house yesterday. Yesterday was media day, and people are going to be blown away when they go to Bank uh, Gamebridge. I'm sorry, Gamebridge Fieldhouse here in a couple of weeks for games because the bars, the entertainment, the upgrades, the facelift, they're going to be surprised. Hey, it was good, Kevin. There were there were parts that were like wait what's going on uh, was that Benedict Matherin yeah was that? I, I, I want to keep, on keep Kevin on his toes hey, it was good Kevin Let's give him a little... hello Benedict <laughs> are we calling him Benedict or Ben did you ask him that yesterday Benedict it's Benedict okay yeah it's definitely Benedict the first look at Gamebridge Fieldhouse for fans the preseason home opener the preseason opener is Wednesday the fifth that's in Charlotte the home opener is the next Wednesday the twelfth against the Knicks. But they have a fan fest coming up a week from Sunday, so you can get your first look. I believe the fan fest is free. I would have to double check that. Um, have you ever been, Mark? Uh, no, haven't been. We've been to like they have the rally on the circle usually. Mm-hmm. That's always a fun time. We haven't gone to Fan Jam yet though. Fan Jam, yeah, that is uh, what the title is. Uh, but that comes on a Colts off Sunday. Colts play next Thursday. So if you're looking for something next Sunday, you want to see Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Pacers have. A fan jam. Monday Night Football last night. Cowboys beat the Giants by seven. I do love those Giants jerseys they rock last night. With the old style helmets and stuff, yeah. Big fan. Mm-hmm. We get the uh, all, the Bengals white helmets on Thursday. Ooh. That'll be fun. So will then the Dolphins go with teal? I think the Dolphins, yeah. I think they're they're rocking those ones, but the Bengals will have their all their white helmets with the black The stripes. Dolphins need to give up on the little, the new whatever you want to call it, like the the dolphin on the side of the helmet that looks like he's shimmying. Uh-huh. They need to get rid of that and go right back to the the one that's going through the the hoop with the little helmet on. Yeah. Is Tua playing Thursday? Ooh, that's a good question because concussion protocol, right? I, I believe it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater time. I thought Mike McDaniel said yesterday he's not in concussion protocol, but yet he's dealing with like a back and an well, they said, maybe? That, Which, they said that the like whole reason, Leonard. when he got up and was woozy, they said that was a back issue, and I'm like, eee, I don't know about that. He cleared concussion protocol rather quick. Dolphins three-and-a-half-point underdogs right now. Do we do, do we have any dolphin sounds? Are you kidding? I can find that in a sh- yeah, Give me a second. <laughs> you can bookmark for birthdays, I believe. In, Somebody was asking, when are we going to yeah. do the show from the Indianapolis Zoo? We got all the animal sounds. Like That's a perfect A morning at the zoo should be a staple, I would think. I swam with the dolphins once, and I got... <laughs> Told you. I got to go in and, and um, you know, one of the best things I've done at the zoo, uh, and it was awesome, was I got to go in the little penguin area and pet the penguins. Oh, the that's penguins. awesome. Oh. Have you been fabulous. with the new kangaroo? You can get really up and up close and personal to the new Ooh. kangaroo exhibit. Do you know, a fella, you heard about this, right? Some fella, I'm not sure if it was here or where it was, had a pet kangaroo. No, what's that? That's a penguin. Is it really? Apparently. Some fella had a pet kangaroo since it was a joey, and uh, the kangaroo beat him up and killed him. Snapped one day. Had him had enough. Right? Well, that's an uplifting thought here <laughs> as we reach the I'm midway just saying, point like, of kang- show. Kangaroos, man. Don't mess around with kangaroos. Jake's getting these out now. We've got Jelani Woods <laughs> at 9 o'clock. He's going to join us. It's Chris Denary well, at now, 9.45. What was that there, that's the goat. Slash ram slash sheep. Do we have a kangaroo noise? Where are the Colts' offensive line problems? We'll talk about that next. Here, Kevin. Jelani Woods going to join us at the top of the hour. That'd be a pretty magical day for him on Sunday. You imagine that? Your first NFL catch, two touchdowns, the game winner, 
and you catch the game winner from a guy that you used to mimic in the backyard growing up. Now, here's the thing, Kev. Since we don't know Jelani Woods in this town. Have we had him on yet? Or is that just Ryman and I feel like we had another rookie on. We had, uh, did we have Cross? We had his college coach, Mike Loxley. We have Luke Fickle on, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Jelani was the one we so, had. So here's what we're going to do. I don't think we had Jelani. Had on yet. You're going to ask him all the football questions. I'm going to ask him all the non-football questions. Well, that's typical, isn't it? I was going to say. <laughs> that's pretty standard that sounds here. like Kevin and Corey 101 right there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write all these down here. I'd like to know, do you think he likes Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Mark? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, you really got to question people if they don't like that. The kid from Australia yesterday, Marcus, was wearing Cinnamon Toast Crunch Crocs. Do they sell those here? Like, you can wear them or you can eat them? What are we talking? I, I'm he was confused. Wearing, he was wearing Crocs. Yeah. With Cinnamon Toast on That them? had Cinnamon Toast Crunch decor oh all over Rosie them. would love those. Well, I, the problem is that Marcus is 15. Rosie's That's Rosie's probably the, the agent Benedict Matherin saw, thought Kevin was when he recorded that message yesterday. <laughs> it's probably a good thing that Benedict Do we, and, do we have that, Mark? And, yeah, we, do we play that again? Chris Duarte this did is, not look down at this his This is shoes. Benedict Matherin yesterday from Media Day. Hey, what's good, Kevin? Thank you for your support. Harry, you're a big fan of the Pacers. Um, I'm here, you know, supporting you. You support me. And I'm really excited. You know, Mutual I'm really excited support. for the season and uh, looking forward to do some damage and get some wins. Let's go. So you think that the way that was done. Kevin, after hearing that message. <laughs> so you think what that was was the Pacers said to him, we've got a 10-year-old kid that's like Bobby I feel Brady. Like they, if you, they well, said, hey, this like, is a mid-30s radio host that really likes you. Can record this message. Like, i, I got to get in the elevator. You know, part of me of thought here. they just go through the alphabet and they pick the most popular name of each letter and they film that and then send them out to their season <laughs> ticket members. That's probably true. All right. You know, should we go with Jason or show, <laughs> should we go with Jeff? What's the popular J name that we should that's go with That's actually not a bad idea, to be honest with you. Um, if they went with Jay, they could have gone with Joe, as in Joe Wrights, who yesterday on the Colts roundtable, they got into the subject of talking about one of the real areas of concern for the Colts, which is the offensive line. And Joe Wrights, who knows a little bit about not only playing the offensive line, but playing it in many different areas. And we've talked about guys that are kind of Swiss Army guys, but the camaraderie that comes with an offensive line. Joe Wrights yesterday on the Colts Roundtable Live talking about why the offensive line is struggling. Yeah, I would say definitely the offensive line is struggling, but it's a combination of a lot of things. We gave up five sacks again, but we blocked a lot better than last last week, as, as odd as that sounds. I thought more issues, it starts with protection. You know, on that fourth and one play, we got free blitzers coming off the slot, 38, hitting Matt Ryan and, you know, unaware, and then on that 32 Bolton in the third quarter, if you remember, that third down sack took us out of, you know, or brought us back to a field goal. You know, Ryan Kelly was looking right the whole way. Jonathan Taylor didn't come back at all and peek on that linebacker. So clearly there was a miscommunication issue between quarterback, center Ryan Kelly, and the running backs. And you have to get on the same page. You cannot have free blitzers running through this league. It's hard enough to block guys when you know what you're doing. So to me, that's a critical error. That's paramount. you got to spend extra time, whatever you have to do, go back to square one and get on the right same page in protection. Because if you don't have that, you have no chance. And so, to me, that that's a, a bigger issue maybe than just, oh, you know, well, a bad play, a bust. No, we got to be on the same page in all of our pass protections. Yeah, I think Joe is spot on there, Jake, in that you're going to have individual breakdowns. You know, 
these defensive linemen, I mean, there's whether you like it or not, I mean, you saw Mark Lewinsky got put on his ass last night in the Monday night game. There's going to be moments where Frank Clark picks up Danny Penter. Should it look like that? No, but there's going to be moments where guys just win one-on-one. The issues for me is more the amount of free rushers. They were constantly in the Colts' backfield on Sunday, and that is a communication issue. Frank Reich, and I double asked him yesterday, I wanted to make sure that it's still the same process. They give the quarterback full autonomy at the line of scrimmage to set protections. So ultimately, it comes down to Matt Ryan and what he wants to do with the line of scrimmage. And right now, the communication between him and Ryan Kelly and that entire unit is an issue. Um, Danny Pinter, Matt Pryor, you know struggles are going to be there. But the amount of free rushers leading to so many unnecessary hits on Matt Ryan, if this keeps up, Jake, Nick Foles is going to be the Colts' starting quarterback at some point this season. Yeah, I mean, listen, the pressure on Ryan is of huge concern. And wasn't this the expectation you weren't going to get? Kevin, to me, the, the yes, to answer your question there, I said this last night with JMV. When it comes to offensive line play, you know, I would rather have five guys that are all a six but have played with each other for two or three years and understand one another than two guys that are a ten and a couple of fives around them that are intermixed and fluid throughout. You need uh, listen. It's great that they have Braden Smith. They played a lot of money, paid a lot of money to. It's great they have Ryan Kelly, who was a high draft pick. It's great they have Quentin Nelson, who they paid the most ever for an offensive lineman. Ryan Kelly, by the way, not playing anywhere near Correct. the amount of money he's getting paid. Correct, and that's all wonderful. You know what? And I realize it was with a quarterback that that was really smart that got rid of the football fast, but. They had a pretty good line when they had guys like Ryan Lilja and Rick DeMoling, you know, and Jake Scott that were not huge investment draft guys, but they 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 understood where each other were all the time. And I just think that's huge. And I think that's what Joe Wright's is talking about right there. Joe Wright's another prime example. The guy was a high school, you know, college basketball player that became that learned the craft. But he was able to play on the line and be really good at it because there was camaraderie and understanding of one another. And I just think they lack that right now. I don't know why that is, but they do. And the thing to me that it's where it's really hurting the Colts is that you are not able to get a true evaluation as to exactly who and for how long Matt Ryan is. You know what I mean? I mean, Matt Ryan in the fourth quarter looked like the guy that they wanted that they went out to get. But is he? Because for the first three quarters, he at times he looks like the Kerry Collins they got. And you don't know yet as you're trying to the problem the Colts have, Kevin, and the corner they painted themselves into here is I'm sorry. If you are trying to go just patchwork quarterback every two years with the new idea that, you know, I mean so Matt Ryan has what two to three year max. Even if even if they figure out, you know what, the line's playing great and Matt Ryan's mobility's back, then what do you get out of him? Two more years, and then okay, great. So that means that then they're going to go out 
two years from now and Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the guy? Or in two years, they're going to say, you know, then they're going to get the, the final two years of Ryan Tannehill. And they'll ride that out for two years, and then they're going to get the final two years of Russell Wilson. Then they'll ride that out, and then they get the final two years of Derek Carr. Uh, great. 12 and 5 every year, bounced in a play. At some point, you got to rip off the band aid. Well, they would love 12 and 5, by the way. They would love a division title. Those haven't been there with the band aid quarterbacks. Um, I, is there blame on. The personnel decisions they made, they handed Danny, they said, Danny Pinter, here's the right guard job, no real competition for you. Matt Pryor, here's the left tackle job, no real competition for you. So there are some issues there. Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, those two, you should expect better from them. Having said that, Matt Ryan's 15 years of NFL experience, Ryan Kelly, seven years of NFL experience, Jake, they should win at the line of scrimmage every single time. You felt like you were at a disadvantage with Carson Wentz pre-snap last year. You feel like Matt Ryan will put you into better situations pre-snap this year. I don't feel like I've truly felt that with them. That's fair. Identification has been an issue. I think a little bit of pocket awareness. Is Matt Ryan a little gun-shy at times? Dude's been sacked 12 times in three weeks. If you look at his NFL career, he is on pace to be sacked 20 more times in his career here's what i here's the excuse i don't believe i don't believe the excuse of well it's a new quarterback so he's still learning like in ryan kelly's case you know the the understanding of signals and reading over the line and figuring out what the quarterback needs and getting on the same page okay well you know what this didn't seem to be the case last year with carson wentz who from all accounts everybody says was adult he was able to figure it out they didn't have that issue a year ago so the variable is the same. New quarterback. Calling someone an adult is so mean. Well, it rhymes with Colt, which is fun, right? Do you remember when they were the Baltimore Dolts? I did see a few people wearing bags over their heads <laughs> at the game on Sunday. <laughs> you know, my buddy Tom Savage, diehard New Orleans Saints fan. I thought he was a quarterback in the NFL at one point, Tom Yeah, Savage. he was. Different Tom Savage, but yes. Um, Rutgers, the, the quarterback, right? And the Texans, I believe. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking Pittsburgh, but yeah, maybe um, it was Russell. Well, it was both, I believe. I think he was on the Russell Wilson deal, right? But um, Tom, my buddy Tom Savage lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He diehard Saints fan. I'm like, how does a kid that grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, become a Saints fan? He goes, oh, I was like seven years old, and my dad and I were watching Sunday highlights of the NFL, and they showed all the fans in the Superdome with bags over their heads, and so he said, they need a fan. So he became a fan. What a philanthropic move. <laughs> That's right. And Tom's been selfish ever since. You know, when That's I why s- we're friends. I see Kansas City have all these free rushers on Sunday. And, to you know, Frank Wright did acknowledge way too many free rushers. You could argue he's kind of stating the obvious there. But, Jake, when there is a free rusher, that creates an opportunity for the offense. Because, obviously, one of your 11, not accounting for that free rusher, there should be a chance there to hit on a big play. I mean, I think a lot of people point to the fourth and one where Ryan gets blown up, fumbles on the play. You know, Paris Campbell was open on that play. If Jonathan Taylor chips to his right instead of, you know, kind of a little bit of a play-action fake and then uh, Taylor blocks to his left, there's the ability there to hit Campbell on a notable play. It just, again, there is blame to be laid at several different areas of the pass protection issues but to me, so much of it comes down to Ryan and Kelly getting more on the same page. 
Matt Ryan and Ryan Kelly. Correct. Yeah, that sounds really confusing. So, yes, thank you for clearing that up. (laughs) Do what I can. Like, you got Matt Ryan for his brain. Can you imagine if they get Kelly Stauffer? Wasn't that his name? Didn't they have a quarterback once? I was thinking of Kelly Stafford, Matthew Stafford's wife. Who am I thinking of that's Kelly Holcomb, maybe. Sorry. Kelly Stauffer might be a TV personality. If they got uh, Kelly Holcomb as the backup, then you'd have Matt Ryan, Ryan Kelly, and Kelly Holcomb, and, and then all hell breaks loose, right? Matt Ryan on pace to be sacked 64 times, excuse me, 68 times with the 17-game season. I think David Carr got sacked one time 64 times in a season. Is Dolt offensive? I don't think it's offensive, is it? No, I don't think it's, like, I don't think you would have gotten a Chris Jones penalty for it, but it's just kind of mean, you know? Yeah. It's a fun word, though, isn't it? I mean, am I wrong in saying that, that most people would tell you that Carson Wentz, not a bad guy, just kind of a Dolt? I guess it depends if you want to be politically correct or not. I don't think it's – are there dolts out there that would be offended by that? <laughs> if you want to spin it in a nicer manner, you I'm might use I'm a dolt, and I will not stand for you calling me a redheaded quarterback. Jelani Woods, Colts tight end, joins us in 10 minutes. Kevin Aquarius. Colts rookie tight end Jelani Woods going to join us in about five minutes. I know kind of a popular thought from people, will we see some lineup changes for the Colts offensive line? Not that Frank Reich was going to – Revealed that yesterday, but he was asked and said that uh, no lineup changes expected at this time. A lot of people have mentioned Danny Pinter. It's maybe a tad too much musical chairs, but Matt Pryor at right guard, the right side of the offensive line is where Matt Pryor has, you know, 80% of his NFL experience. That to me would be something to explore. And I know a lot of people would then say, what about Bernard Ryman? the rookie at left tackle. Another guy on the Colts roster is Dennis Kelly, the Purdue product that has over 50 career starts in the NFL at tackle. Now, most of it is at right tackle, but if you are worried about Ryman health-wise, he missed last week with an ankle injury. If you are having some concerns about throwing a rookie into the full-time starting job, we've seen him rotate a little bit. Dennis Kelly is another guy that you could turn to. But Now, if they were to get at quarterback Rocky Dennis and then Dennis Kelly, that would be as confusing as Matt Ryan and Ryan Kelly, right? But if you do that, then obviously you're trying to insert new guys into the starting lineup and you worry about cohesion uh, on that front. You worry about cohesion right now with Pryor and Pinter. You could trade baseball um, cards with that Rocky Dennis guy and you can, get, you can con him out of some Rube Walker. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Am I the only one that knows what I'm talking about? That's entirely possible, right? Are the Australian folks picking you up for the 9 o'clock hour? <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what time zone are they in right now? Funny you ask. They are, uh, well, they're here, so well, I'm they're saying, on our are, time are, zone. There, are there, like, mental clocks on Eastern I time? I asked Michael last night when we were at dinner, and they are 14 hours ahead. Melbourne's 14 hours ahead of us. So he said, he's like, yeah, your show comes on at like 11 o'clock at night for them. I think that's right. Yeah. So when I did an afternoon show, it was morning for them. Now it's the other way around. And, you know, right now everything's opposite. So we're getting ready for uh, fall. They're getting ready for spring. I feel like we have some people from Sydney in the YouTube chat. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. How about this name? Bills are hosting veteran cornerback Xavier Rhodes today on a visit. Really? 
That 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 cliff seemed to be a steep fall off, did it not? You know the other name I'm kind of curious about. Speaking of left tackles, will Eric Fisher ever play in the NFL again? Also a good question. A guy who certainly was out there on Sunday and will be playing for the Colts for a long time. Jelani Woods, Colts rookie tight end. He joins us next. It is second and 10 to the 12-yard line. Colts down by four. Ryan backs the pass. Looking, looking. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Two touchdowns today for the rookie. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the O-V. Jelani Woods, his first NFL catch on Sunday, his first touchdown, his first game-winning touchdown. It will certainly be one to remember for him, and he joins us right now here on Kevin Aquari. Jelani, I'm curious, were you more nervous on that final drive or when Frank Wright called you into the middle of the team huddle in the post-game locker room and had you give a little speech? I would definitely say uh, after the game, giving the speech, that was that was pretty, you know, kind of intense. Just uh, just a lot of emotion going on uh, throughout the locker room, man. You know, just wanting to make one that was, you know, kind of memorable, and you know, not mess up with all the cameras around. Did you know that you were going to be the target on that second down from Matt Ryan? I, obviously, when you go back and look at the play, there's a ton of attention towards Michael Pittman. So I'm sure there's part of you that thinks, hey, it's going to be a one-on-one opportunity. But did Matt say anything to you in the huddle? Like, hey, uh, watch out. We're, we're, we're going to be coming your way. Uh, it's, it's kind of one of those plays that we worked on throughout the week. And that uh, it was either an option with uh, me or uh, Pitt. And it's pretty much uh, whoever got open uh, be able to get the opportunity. And, uh, uh, you know, just tried to do my job pretty much and get open for all. Now, Jelani, I'm going to ask you, pepper you with questions here that have nothing to do with football so we can get to know you a little bit. Okay. But, but I'm going to start with a football question, and that's this. It's well documented that you were a quarterback, obviously, playing in high school. You threw for nearly 2,000 yards. I mean, you had some big seasons playing quarterback. But – as a tight end, is there a benefit to playing tight end having been a quarterback? And by that I mean, does it give you a better understanding when plays are breaking down of what the quarterback would be seeing or anticipating and thus allowing you to know as a a target where to go and how to kind of telepathically work with what the quarterback would be anticipating? Uh, it definitely does um, because, um, like you said, me being in that situation before, I kind of know exactly like what's in uh, Matt's mindset, and I got a general idea. And then you know, just trying to be able to uh, work with him on getting open or like uh, what we call a scramble drill, and trying to find a hole in the defense or something, and you know, make a play. Colts third-round pick from this past April. He is Jelani Woods, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jelani, kind of building off that, again, you were a quarterback at Oklahoma State, and you shared this story during the draft process, but if you don't mind, please share it for our listeners. It was Bedlam week, right? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and all of a sudden you were asked to play scout team tight end to replicate now Ravens tight end Mark Andrews and – they couldn't cover you, and the rest is history? 
Uh, yes, sir. That's pretty much exactly uh, how it went. And then uh, throughout the week, they're really good, uh, tighter. And then they called me in, I think, that Sunday morning. Um, pretty much just asked me to, to uh, could I switch to tight end. And I really didn't have any problem with it because, you know, it, it was fun. And I just wanted to get on the field at the time. Uh, so that next year, in the uh, being playing at tight end, playing that whole season at tight end, and then just pretty much kind of ran with it. If you were rewarded Jelani Woods for catching the game-winning touchdown and Jim Irsay, who is a fan of music, said to you, Jelani, in the offseason, I am going to send you to go see the musical act of your choice in your favorite city so long as they're playing there. You would pick what artist to see in concert and in what city would you enjoy it? Uh, I would say ah, that's, a, that's a hard question because I'm kind of a – Big music guy, so I like a lot of artists. But uh, I would probably say uh, Larry June and uh, probably San Francisco. I kind of, you know, starting to be heavy on him a lot because he's a really good artist. Why San Francisco? Uh, that's where he's at in the Bay Area. So Got that's it. where. That's cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Jelani Woods is with us here again on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Two touchdowns. On Sunday, Jelani, uh, we've been told, and I think I hope it's not someone in- impersonating your father. We've been told that your dad, Gregory Woods, listens to this show. I'm sure there's times he's probably rolled his eyes at a few of the comments that I've made. Uh, did you know that your father listens to this show? No, I didn't know, but yeah, he, I think he told me recently that he did. So <laughs> he had me uh, kind of laughing a little bit, but. So we yeah, can verify this is that. actually your dad and not someone posing as your father, correct? Like, like yeah. a no Manti Teo situation is what you're saying. No, no, that's my dad. No, was the family in attendance on Sunday? No, it was not. Unfortunately, uh, my whole family came to Jacksonville because the Jacksonville game, you know, of course, it's not that far from Atlanta. So, sure, uh, uh, they came to that one, but uh, at least they got to see, you know, it on TV though. Now, if you're talking about Bay Area rappers, for me, and I'm old, Jelani. Jelani Woods of the Colts is our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. Uh, Too Short was always, like, I loved Too Short when I was in high school. He's out of Oakland. Uh, uh, Does that make me too old? No, definitely not. I I, I have a couple of Too Short songs that I feel like to this day that, you know, I kind of want to stay. I flip back and forth at times with old school and new school, but... Uh, yeah, I, I would add two short on my list as well. What do you most enjoy so far? And I realize that you have not had probably a lot of time to, to go out and explore it, but with the city of Indianapolis, I think this is going to be a long-term home for you. I think fans are excited about Jelani Woods playing here, especially after Sunday. What things would you most want to kind of wrap your arms around in terms of the, the people in the culture of Indianapolis or what things have you been able to do and enjoy where you thought this place is pretty cool? I would definitely say, like, with me, I'm a big uh, community service type of guy. So I like helping with, um, you know, just the different activities that the coach provides. So just getting to interact with fans, um, you know, just uh, being personable and things like that kind of have a big big thing for it. So that would be pretty much like the biggest just, you know, enduring the whole city is just, you know, um, I would say just, you know, honing in on the city and kind of just 
uh, being there and, you know, just, you know, just being with the city pretty much with the, the uh, other players and with the uh, fans and everything like that. Your favorite restaurant so far in Indianapolis? Say favorite restaurant? Uh, I say the High Steakhouse. Okay. Or the high, wherever, high place. I can't remember the name. but If uh, they were going to open a varsity here like they have in Atlanta, would you be down for that? Oh, definitely. Always. <laughs> and then where's uh, the place in Stillwater we're supposed to ask them about? Oh, Eskimo Joe's. Uh, Stillwater's Eskimo Jump a Little Juke Joint. Good. Yeah, Eskimo Joe's is pretty good. It is pretty good. That's one place that if you haven't been in Stillwater, you should go first. Now, J- Jelani, is it true that when you were growing up and you mentioned in the Atlanta area that in the backyard you would act like you were Matt Ryan and not necessarily Tony Gonzalez? Yeah, it was definitely – I would say I would say both. Okay. Because Tony, Tony was one of my favorites as well. But uh, definitely uh, like Matt Ryan, I feel like a lot of people did – uh, if, if it wasn't Matt Ryan, then it was Roddy White or Michael Turner, uh, uh, guys like that. But generally, you see a lot, a good amount of Matt Ryan jerseys around the city. So, you know what's interesting to me, Jelani, is that you come in as a rookie into a position room that was kind of wide open because Jack Doyle had left, Mo Ali Cox was obviously the incumbent, but even still, there was some question from a receiving end whether or not he could be that guy. Um, you know, there it, it was it was open for you, and yet you now have emerged. What is it like in terms of the camaraderie and or the competition with the other tight ends? And what was defined for you in terms of what your role would be in terms of blocking versus receiving? Uh, I would definitely say the answer to the first question, the com- like camaraderie between all of us, uh, that's pretty great. It just we all learn from each other. We all try to uh, improve every day, uh, get like one percent better every day, and that's the uh, biggest thing. We uh, we help each other. We piggyback off of each other. Whatever we doing, uh, Mo has things that he's great at. Uh, Colin has things that he as he was great at. Uh, when Drew was in the room. Uh, Drew had things he was great at, and uh, you know I had things that I was really good at. But uh, we just try to piggyback off each other and pick each other's brain, and I feel like that helps the group in the all and tries to elevate us as well. And then um, uh, with the role situation, I would definitely say you know pretty much whatever Coach Frank or uh, Coach Brady tries want to put me at, I just try to do my job as best as I can uh, wherever spot I'm in or whatever role they want me to do and just try to excel at it and get better. Jelani, obviously feel free to disagree. I, I felt like at times in training camp it was a little up and down, which, you know, for any rookies probably to be expected. And then all of a sudden here you are in week three and Matt Ryan is looking your way at the most critical moment of the game. Uh, how would you describe your first NFL training camp and the growth that you've had since late July, early August? Uh, I would say, uh, I would definitely say uh, it was just, I wouldn't say like pressure, but just being consistent on a like consistent basis. Because um, with me, you know, since I'm backup or whatever, I have to learn, you know, the different spots and, um, you know, just try to like slow everything down for me. And um, you know, like I said, I was getting I was getting better every day, just trying to 
uh, hone in on the different things that was coming my way and try to uh, master each thing. And, you know, during training camp, it's a lot, a lot of stuff compared to the season when it's more bro- broken down specifically or who we're going against. So it kind of just slows down a little bit and be, you being able to uh, hone in on exactly what to do and, and everything like that. So uh, just being put in the different spots, of course, it kind of uh, mentally you can kind of get uh, a little slower and overthinking at times and things like, things like that. But, uh, you know, it all makes you better at the long run because now I'm kind of understanding the whole offense at a more excelling rate than I would have if I didn't get that challenge. So um, I'm actually glad I went through that now because now I feel like I'm 10 times more accelerated vision-wise, IQ-wise, and things like that. Which football would be more special to you, Jelani, on your mantle? Your first career touchdown or your first career game winner? Uh, i say I have to put them both both together because it's already hard to score in the NFL. And then and, and at the same time, being able to uh, kind of, you know, put your team on your back and kind of make a play uh, to win the game, uh, that's like kind of the same momentum as well. So uh, I, I have to put the shells right by each other and put the balls right beside each other. As a pretty good problem to have, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is easy, right? Um, as a team, what is your concern when you look at your guys' football team, the Indianapolis Colts, what's the area that you feel you most need to shore up? Uh, I'll say right now, I wouldn't say we necessarily have a concern. We just need to uh, continue getting better and continue to um, hone in on the details. Because, you know, NFL is hard, and people, I would say, uh, sometimes can't overlook that and you know we've been having pretty decent teams and teams can come out and you know throw jabs and that's one thing that we talk about it's a boxing match pretty much and we go around for round and uh like we just had a, a motivational like talk about how even mike tyson got knocked out even like guys you know the most powerful guys got knocked out before so it's just a constant fight to get better every day and to you know get everything clicking and working i feel like that's what we're doing now uh, week by week going to practice every week been really good in practice it is you know when we get in the games like i said we tight hone in on the details and you know and tighten up and execute pretty much Jelani, last one for me. Um, I would consider Tiger Woods my idol. I've never met Tiger. I've thought about meeting him, and I've thought to myself, as soon as I say hello, I'll probably say, I'm sorry my hands are so sweaty and I'm so nervous and I'm stuttering and I can't believe that I'm meeting you right now. Uh, did you have any of that in meeting Matt Ryan? Oh, definitely. It was, uh, I definitely say the first day I get a little shell shock, especially when he takes me on draft night. Uh, that was pretty much like the cell like the shop right there as well. But uh, when I first got in the building, uh, we already talked a couple of times before that. So uh, seeing them, yeah, I had a little bit, but I already knew exactly real what to expect and, you know, his personality and everything like that. So I, it kind of calmed down, but it was awesome still at the end of the day. Now you're from Ellenwood, Georgia. Is that right? Yes. Now is that a suburb of Atlanta or is that a small town like way outside of Atlanta? Uh, it's like a suburb of Atlanta a little bit. It's probably, I think it's like eight minutes from downtown Atlanta. Are, are you the most famous graduate of your high school? 
actually I'm not. We got a couple guys that in my class that's uh, in the NFL now. So uh, okay, I'm looking here. Marcus McNeil is that your class? No, Marcus McNeil is uh, way. Well, okay, me. Justin Schaffner. Yeah. Uh, Schaefer, yep, he's or in my Schaefer, class. Or Schaefer, sorry. Uh, yep. D'Angelo Malone. Yep, he's in my class. Oh, yep. Dion Glover. I remember Dion Glover. Yep. The, well, Dion Glover is way. Well, he's way before you, I'm saying, but I remember him from when he was, I think he was at Georgia Tech, right? Yeah. Now, he's an old guy like me. He's, did you, didn't you he's have in like the a- too short era. You had like a state title duel. Duel was it Davis Mills who you dueled with in a state championship game? Yeah, uh, I played him in this. He was a quarterback, uh, a little quarterback battle we had at state championship game my senior year. Do you think your dad's listening to the show right now, Jelani? I would definitely say he is. It, has you know he? It, does he say that he likes the show or doesn't like the show? Oh, Should boy. we be I, nervous? I'm nervous. Should we be nervous about him listening? Is he a critic? No, no, he's not. He's not not that type of person because he he loves to listen, no matter if it's good or bad. Uh, he's just the type of person. He supports everything. Uh, he's very loving. He's like um, outgoing. Like he definitely doesn't care at all. He just loves to listen. And he loves to see the opinions, and he loves to uh, hear the uh, you know good things about Indianapolis, the Colts, and just everything in general. Good for him. I think when your dad that. comes for a game, we need to have him in studio. Can he come in studio and just hang out with us? He probably would, knowing that. <laughs> he probably would. We'll get some quack daddy oh, donuts yeah. and have him That's in, right. in oh, studio. Yeah. Jelani, congrats. That had to be just an incredible moment, not only the first touchdown early in the game, but when Matt Ryan looked your way late, and that was a really hell of a catch as well, um, to record the game winner. So appreciate your time with us this morning. Hope Indy treats you well. Stay healthy and good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. Appreciate for having me. Colts rookie Jelani Woods right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Jake, I asked him that training camp question, and I have this vivid memory right now of a moment where either Woods, I think he ran the wrong route in training camp. Nick Foles was the quarterback, and it was just a clear miscommunication. And Matt Ryan, rather loudly, Matt Ryan did not do this very often in camp, kind of undressed Jelani Woods. Of like, dude, we can't have that. It was deep into camp. Uh, again, it was a second unit play. And for him, and I think he admitted that, to feel a little bit of that inevitable rookie pressure in camp, to have some up and down moments. And then fast forward, Jake, a month and a half, and on the most critical play of the game, Matt Ryan's looking his way. So it's a credit to Jelani Woods for showing some growth and earning some trust that he didn't necessarily have at the end of camp. And then also, I think, a credit to Matt Ryan for realizing that he needs these rookies. He needs Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce to step up. He's got to give them opportunities. He's got to trust them. And he did that in those moments. Alec Pierce had the catch two plays before the game-winning touchdown. And if you can build off that, that will go a long way in helping out a position group that does not have a lot of veteran proven talent. I'm kind of stoked for his dad to come in and hang out with us. How big do you think his dad is? It's a good question. That's a really good question. I was really interested by the psyche of Kevin going into a Tiger Woods like fever pitch. I like, thought you were gonna. I thought. Him. I thought to myself, "Holy cow, Jelani Woods is related to Tiger," and I didn't know it. That's where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> oh gosh, I didn't even think that. <laughs> Kevin went on like a fever dream, like what a is, panic. Jelani seems like a nice dude. Tiger Woods. John Tiger. <laughs> Tiger Woods is a native of what? Southern or Northern California? Yeah. Um, 
Southern California. Um, my grandma moved out there and lived on the um, golf course where his high school team played, ironically enough. My uh, if he was related Tiger Woods, a guy went to high school. Over him. A guy I went to high school with just won a, a golf, like an amateur golf tournament, and the like prize was they got to meet and get their photo with Tiger Woods. Really? Mm-hmm. Where at? Dave Scott. Uh, I I'm not sure where they were. Florida? Out west, I think. Maybe Florida. Yeah. God, he's is got he a, a great golfer. I, I, you know, I, he played baseball uh, all through high school. I don't know. Apparently, he must be a pretty good golfer. Yeah. Jelani Woods, that's a kind of a hell of a career path, you know, to be a high school quarterback in the state of Georgia. You go to Oklahoma State. They're getting ready for the big rival in Oklahoma. The coaches come to you and say, hey, man, will you uh, play scout team Mark Andrews in practice this week? And now here he is, an NFL tight end. How many quarterback to tight ends have there been in NFL history? Um, That's a good question. I I'd like to know, you know, the number of tight ends in the NFL, how many of them have played tight end the majority of their career? It's kind of a position you grow into. I mean, you're a wide out, you get real big, and you become tight end. Maybe you're a defensive end. They're like, oh, wow, you got pretty good hands. You ever yeah, tried playing tight end? Right. I forget who I was talking to, someone coaching-related in the NFL – they said that they felt like the hardest position to learn from college to the NFL outside of quarterback is tight end. I would think. I mean, do you think the hardest thing about tight end? Because you have to the, know everything in the run game and pass game. Yeah, and do you think the more important quality as a tight end is your footwork or your hands? I mean, clearly your hands are pretty important, but you need some – to your point, you know, you've got to be able to drop back and block. you got to be able to, to find yourself open. And, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. As promising as the Jelani Woods, Alec Pierce moments were from Sunday, Jake, boy, do you need more right now from Paris Campbell and Mo Alley-Cox? Well, Paris Campbell, for sure. Is he still there? He's still with them, right? He's still on the team. Playing a lot. Okay. I You could make the argument you're more disappointed in Mo Alley-Cox right now. Well, for sure. I mean, Moali Cox, you, you kind of feel like – I mean, has he now fallen down to the point where he's basically their third tight end? Not by playing time, but maybe by, like, pass-catching involvement. Right. Evan in the chat says Tim Tebow, quarterback to tight end. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you oh, go. Oh, man, that's a good – JC, I don't know if that's – the man above, but best example of QB to tight end would be Travis Kelsey. Was Kelsey a college really? quarterback? Boy, he's a heck of a tight end. Cincinnati, right? Heck of a tight end. God, he's great. Uh, thank you to Jelani Woods for coming on the show. Chris Denary is going to join us at 9.40, We'll do a pop quiz coming up. Any prizes outside the Jiffy Lube prize pack, Mark? Jiffy Lube prize pack will be given away this week on the pop quiz. Let's do a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Scotty J, Texas. Uh, Jake, reminding us that Ken Dilger was a quarterback at Heritage Hills. That's in Santa Claus, right? That's where Jay Cutler went, right? I love Holiday World. I've ne- you know, they have free soft drinks. And free sunscreen.
Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's cool. And I think free urine in all the pools. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that was a ringing endorsement. <laughs> okay. That's the trifecta well, you can get. That comes with the free soft not drinks. not sponsor anymore so- if they were. Soft drink, sunscreen, and... Got all the sunscreen and pee you want. <laughs> Have you taken the girls, Mark? Uh, Putting the Ashley, P and SPF, right? <laughs> Ashley and I went before kids. That was the only one and only time we've gone. We got, I think we got free tickets from the station. So I absolutely loved it. We, we, I went with a bunch of my buddies before we went to college. It, it was, was great. Fun. Didn't I'm shocked you've never been, Jake? I have not. Take the Australians there to round out the trip. Can't comment on the urine amount, but <laughs> we had a good time. Get in the pool and you're in. Okay. Uh, Red yesterday losers to the Pirates eight three. It was the Braves eight nothing over the Nationals. Aaron Judge, no home run. Blue Jays win 3-2 over the Yanks. Baltimore Orioles, 14-8 over um, Boston. And it was the Indianapolis Indians losing to the Clippers of Columbus, 17-1. Mark, you got that Miles Turner audio. You mind queuing that up? Yesterday was Pacers Media Day. We heard from just about everybody on the roster. Training camp begins today. Their first preseason game is a week from tomorrow. The season opens, I think, three weeks from tomorrow. Here was Miles Turner yesterday on the continued trade rumors surrounding him. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and address it here, right here. This is the only time I'll be addressing it this year. And I want to make sure everybody knows that. Yeah, elephant in the room. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, this is my eighth season. You know, what I've been in trade rumors the past four or five years. Uh, there's something that I know that I'm numb to. It's something that's just, it's just whatever what comes with this business. Um, there are no hard feelings in this business. You know, you have to take the emotions out of everything, and I've learned that um, at a young age, and I still hold true to that. Um, you know, my job is to come in here and, you know, to help these young guys now, man. I'm no longer the young guy in the locker room. You know, I'm 26 years old and one of the oldest in the room, and that's uh, something that's a new position for me. And um, one of the things I want to take a lot of pride in as well. So that's where all my attention lies. As long as I'm in this uniform, I'll go out there and represent the state how I'm supposed to represent it and represent myself in the same manner. Jake, rank these four players and their likelihood to be on the Pacers roster opening night next year. Turner, Heald, McConnell, Daniel Tice. Uh, McConnell's going nowhere. Oh, boy, after that. Um, I would put McConnell at most sure to be here, he, if not playing in some role. Uh, healed second, Turner third, Tice fourth. We'll see. I love Daniel Tice's look. Bring some intimidation on the floor. They just need like. A dude. I don't know if he's that dude, but they need a dude that's like. Will he play over Isaiah Jackson? Well, that, he's a different player, right? They just need they need one junkyard dog that kind of sets the tone. Kristen Airy going to join us in about fifteen minutes. Talk more. Uh, by the way, uh, pop quiz coming up next. Is that right? Pop quiz is coming up okay. next. Jiffy Lou prize pack. Two three nine ten seventy is the telephone number. Todd Yoder, another one that played quarterback apparently from New Pal, became a tight end in the NFL. Nathan asked how many players' uh, first two catches in the NFL were touchdowns. As I look over at Scotty. Can't be many, he says. Boy, that's impressive. Got to feel like someone over there at West 56th Street is digging up that staff. If you missed it, Jelani Woods with us earlier. That'll be up on the pop quiz. The pop quiz right now, though. 317-239-1070. Jiffy Lou prize pack up for grabs. 
Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. That post-game locker room clip with Jelani Woods in the middle of the locker room and, you know, all his teammates, speech! The rookie had to be a little bit like, oh, gosh. He handled it beautifully. Seems like a nice dude, Jake. Very. It's going to be fun when his dad's in here hanging out in studio. Yeah, we got to get some quack daddy action that day, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the pop quiz, I'm looking at it here. I would say, by the way. Did we get some clarity on the Mike, on the two touchdowns, first two catches? Mike Vrabel, according to Scotty, 10 for 10 in his career in the regular season for touchdown, uh, for receptions that were touchdowns. He had 10 receptions in his career. All 10 were touchdowns. He did it twice in the Super Bowl as well. Two different Super Bowls. Someone asked me how many people or how many teams have started off one, one, and one. And you said the... 2018 Vikings Uh, I'm looking at it right here thank you for asking let me pull it up because I just screen grabbed this in terms of one one and one starts in 2018 the Packers and Vikings uh, started one one and one so too did the Bucks and Steelers but it's also been done in 1974 the Steelers started one one and one uh, the 1987 Packers started one one and one and so too did the 1971 Dolphins so there you go. Not unprecedented. Mark, have you taken your girls to a Colts game? Uh, yeah, we went to the uh, the Colts Raiders game last year. Dale says, need some advice. Thinking about taking my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter to the Colts game Sunday. Colts website says 24 months twenty four months and up need a ticket. Do I take a chance and just sneak her in? I mean, they're not, yes, they're yes. not asking for birth certificates uh, yes. at the game. Excuse me. We need your birth certificate yeah. here. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, you're fine. As long as she's a, like, if she's going to sit on your lap, you're fine. We're going to hold up the line because the fruit snacks and the yeah. pouches are <laughs> trying to be entered into Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, okay, pop quiz, uh, level of difficulty? Ah, medium. Medium. Well, medium for you, I think, means pretty difficult, right? Usually you act like the pop quiz is a joke. <laughs> and then offer 19 hints. Yeah, we'll see how I do on the hints today. Uh, number one through eight, Jake. Uh, number one through eight, I will go with number three as always. Ryan. Ryan, that's my brother. Ryan, what's up? What's up, buddy? Not too much. How you doing? Ryan, you sound like you might be my brother's age. Uh, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I I don't mind at all. I'm 41. Old as dirt. 41. Ryan uh, Bowen easy. will be. What does that say about Jake? Yeah, it about Jake then? <laughs> yeah, just don't mind yeah. me, the talking T-Rex over here. Um, there goes my hint. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Ryan, uh, 41, I'm going to guess that that puts you somewhere around the class of 2000 in high school. Is that right? 99. 99. Okay. And that was at what school? Jasper. Yeah, okay. We'll speak slowly. Uh, Ryan, have Jasper. you called him before? Yeah, you've called before, right? Easy, easy. Yeah, what's that? You've called the program before, right? I have. Yeah. Well, have we talked about the Kremp family? My Ryan, my older brother Ryan, is married to a Kremp. Oh, wow. Wow, they married in some money, huh? Good good, good work. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. I, I do think Crimp Lumber has been a successful business for them, but Kristen Crimp is doing just well. a tremendous yep. sister-in-law and a tremendous aunt as well. When he proposed, did he say, yeah. would you marry me? Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, Ryan, would you like for me? Ryan, or that was, that <laughs> Ryan, that was not a real <laughs> laugh. Okay. Was it? 
Ryan, no. would you like for me or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, let's go with Kevin. Okay. Ryan, if Scott Rowland is the best athlete in Jasper history, who's second? Oh, man. Michael, Michael Lewis. Lewis. Michael Lewis. Seems like a great dude. Yep. Uh, okay, Ryan, yep. the first question is this. The Giants failed to improve to 3-0 last night. That means just two undefeated teams are left. Can you name either of the undefeated teams in the NFL? Yep. Um, it would be the, the Eagles. Okay, Ryan, question number two. There are two teams still searching for their first win. Name one of those two. Uh, the Raiders. Okay. Ryan, number three, Jelani Woods, who we just had on, caught two passes for two touchdowns in the Colts win over the Chiefs Sunday. Who was the last Colts rookie tight end, whose name is on a pretty famous award, to catch two TD passes in a game? Dallas Clark, Kobe Fleener, John Mackey, Dwayne Allen. John Mackey. I think Ryan is really smart. I don't know if he needed that hint. Question number four. Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson threw four TD passes while rushing for 107 yards and another touchdown, and the Ravens win this weekend. Jackson is just the second player in NFL history to throw four touchdown passes and run for another while gaining 100 yards rushing in the same game. Who was the first quarterback to do it? Was it Michael Vick, Doug Flutie, Deshaun Watson, or Randall Cunningham? Randall Cunningham. Ryan, were you valedictorian at Jasper? Uh, not even close. You know your sports knowledge. Um, all right, number five. Uh, that I do. Yep. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker recorded his 50th career field goal of 50 or more yards on Sunday. Tucker is just the fourth kicker in NFL history to kick 50 or more 50-yard field goals. Scott, do you want me to do multiple choice? Which of the following did not have... 50 or more 50 yarders. Adam Vinatieri, Sebastian Janikowski, Jason Hansen, or Matt Prater? Um, I'm going to go, I hate to say this, it's not going to be Steve Bass. It's probably, probably going to be Vinatieri. I mean, gosh, I mean, he's the GOAT. I hate to guess that, but um, Matt Prater definitely did. We need a final answer here, Ryan. Let's go, Vinny. That was a very reluctant Adam Vinatieri out of Ryan. Let's see how he did as Scotty just slams down his tablet like Ken Dorsey and walks out <laughs> I've worked of here, the studio. I've worked here how long? Almost a year. Whoa, do we add up the first go-around? Well, that's true, but in terms of this particular show... We are approaching a year, right? Mm-hmm. That feels was like, the, feels like ten. <laughs> was that the most confident and smooth pop quiz you could, you've ever you seen? You could say that that is the goat performance. Now, would that come with sound effects? Just out of curiosity, I don't know. <laughs> that was the Tiger Woods and pop quizzes right there. Out of Ryan. this is only the third time, second or third, this has ever happened, right? Yeah. Well, I would say without hints. I, I guess we did give him a little hint on I think three. You did. That was all you. Yeah, it was. But I. I I think he would have gotten that anyways. All right. Uh, one of the two NFL teams that are still undefeated. He went with Eagles. Loud and proud. Dolphins is the other. He went with Raiders for Let's winless. Go! Texans the other. Last Colts rookie tight end to catch two TD passes in a game. I do not think I would have gotten this one right. He did say John Mack. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> um, 
I was impressed how quickly he went with Randall Cunningham, which was correct, November 4th of 1990. I mean, he was quick on that. And then Jake, right away, he felt like it was Vinatieri for the final one. Which of the following did not have 50 or more 50-yard career kicks? He said Adam Vinatieri. That's a W. That's E1. Ryan. Five for five, baby. What a way. Technically, what a way to start the week. We didn't do a pop quiz yesterday. Ryan, stay on the line. Actually, bring Ryan back on. He's there. Ryan, congrats, man. That was a hell of an effort. You're now the valedictorian at Jasper. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Ryan, will you clip out this audio and send it to your friends? I should. I really should. I went with Vinatieri because he spent a lot, of, you know, most of his career in New England. You're not kicking a lot of 50-yarders there in the winter and stuff, a lot of bad weather. So that was my justification. I hated to go against him, but. Hey, it's a hell of a call. You, you got the right answer. Ryan, congrats, man. Love Jasper. Thank you for Thank calling. Thank you. He's the Jasper Engine. That's his new name when he calls in. Now, you Ryan know, is the Jasper Engine. You know what we have not had, though, in our show history, Jake, is two five-for-five five winners in the same week. It happened. So now we're on five for five. Watch the rest of the week, and Scotty is ready to just be a vulture with the pop quiz the next three days. But I'm I'm thrilled that we are able to give out a fabulous Jiffy Lube prize pack because everyone needs the quality of the oil change you get at Jiffy Lube. And I'm thrilled to have my former basketball coach on the show next. Kristen Airy joins us to close out the show. Pacers, they'll be playing some basketball a week from tomorrow. Their preseason opener. Will be on the road. If I'm not mistaken, I think we have to wait maybe till preseason game number three for Chris Denary. Does that sound right? Two weeks, from Two weeks from Wednesday will be the TV. But we have the radio calls of all the preseason games. We'll have the radio calls for all four preseason games. But for TV over on Valley Sports, that'll be October 12th will be the home opener. And also when Chris Denary and Quinn and JJ make their debut, Chris Denary joins us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, anything stand out to you in particular, media day-wise? Certainly a different era, Chris, and a little bit of a different tune from an expectation standpoint. Um, anything else stand out to you from yesterday? No, I, I thought it was great to see everybody. I mean, they uh, most of the guys have been in the last uh, few weeks, uh, you know, working out and, and playing pickup games and all that kind of stuff. But but I thought it was a really good vibe. You know, it is a – it's. Uh, you know, it is a different era. I mean, Rick Carlisle said that yesterday. I thought Kevin Pritchard um, said that last week when he met with members of the media. And um, but I'm excited to see this young group. I mean, it's 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 a plan that they have put in place uh, for you know long term. Now you hope you have some success short term. But I think what Kevin Pritchard said last week, he goes, I really think we're going to have some good wins. Uh, in his words, he goes, uh, this is this is a group that's going to win some of those games, but it. It, it could have some downtimes as well because they're so young. So I think that's going to be something to really watch. But I, I do think it's going to be an exciting product on the floor. Uh, you know, a guy like Jalen Smith wanted to come back, uh, had a good end of the season in his final 20-plus games. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, now you would say this is his team. I mean, he has embraced being a leader in his third year. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see what this group can do. Uh, it's got a coaching staff and a, and a front office. It's all in. Everybody's on board with what they want to do, and I, I think that's a good sign. 
Do we believe Rick Carlisle that a 10-man rotation is going to be the norm? Or, or if I'm not mistaken, he even said maybe more than 10 guys. That, that seems to be a big number for a nightly rotation. Well, you know, you look at you look at the schedule, and I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna point right after Thanksgiving. the The Pacers go on the longest road trip that they've had, I believe, since the mid '80s. Uh, they play seven games in twelve days, come right home, and play three in four nights at home. So you're looking at about a ten game stretch in about sixteen days. So in in that regard, I think you can go a little bit deeper uh, with your rotations. You're going to have to go a little bit deeper and. As I've sort of eyed the roster and tried to figure out, okay, who's going to start and who's going to come off the bench, I do see about 10 or 11 guys. I mean, you got a guy in a, in a trade with Boston in, in, in Neesmith, uh, and, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how's he going to fit into the rotation? Uh, O'Shea Brissett's had, I think, a pretty good year plus with the Pacers. Where's he going to fit in? Because Jalen Smith's going to start at the four, Miles Turner at the five. You've got Goga Bataze, Isaiah Jackson. So, Kevin, you've got a lot of guys that warrant playing time, and I think as you're trying to develop guys, that's probably what you want to do. You want to give guys the opportunity to play. Chris, do you feel like some of the pressure has been taken off the Pacers from an expectation standpoint that Kevin was talking about because of the fact that they have been so upfront about, hey, listen, this we're a year away from really worrying about our win total. Right now, this is about developing young players and, and seeing which ones of them mesh together for the future. And this is, I hate to say, an experimental year, but a building block year. Does that take a little bit of the pressure off by being so upfront and transparent about it? I, I think so, Jake, from the standpoint that it takes pressure off you nightly um, from that standpoint. I mean, you're still trying to win games. I mean, this is a group that's hungry. When you listen to them yesterday, they understand where they are and collectively who they are. But it, it doesn't mean that you're not going out there, you know, trying to beat the other opponent. Uh, but I do think so. I mean, you look back over the last few years when injuries sort of ravaged the team and and those expectations weren't met. The last two years not making the playoffs, um, having a core that you thought could get there, uh, a group that won, what, 45, 46 games uh, when it went to the bubble in Miami, had a good, uh, a good run before getting swept by Miami. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it is different um, just from an expectation standpoint. But I, I still think when this group goes out on the floor each and every night, their expectation is to win. Um, but they, they've got a lot of young guys that have not experienced the highs or the lows of an NBA season, and that's something they're going to have to go through collectively. Television voice of the Pacers, he's Chris Denary, and he's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Chris, you and I have had conversations, and certainly our listening audience knows, and Mark made sure to remind everybody of it earlier, um, that I've been a huge Benedict Matherin fan throughout this process. I think what initially obviously caught my eye to Matherin was just how he plays the game. You know, I think it's a high level of athleticism. Um, he can stretch the floor. He's not afraid of big moments, big shots, big opponents, those things. But then you read more about his story, Chris, and just how he's wired. And, you know, he grew up in Haiti, and then he's in Canada. His brother tragically dies. His dad's never in his life. He kind of looks at himself in the mirror and realizes, boy, I, I've got to become the, the, the man of the household. And next thing you know, he's at the NBA Academy in, in a different country in Mexico. And then he's at Arizona. I, I think that is critically important to the Pacers potentially having 
a future star and that yes his on-court talents you know kind of speak for themselves but off the court I think he's wired in a way that the Pacers really really need to find yeah and I think if, if you haven't read the Players Tribune article that he wrote about as you said about his background about his story I think you know fans or just anybody needs to go out and read that it it it's not just about sports. It's not just about basketball. It's about life. And, and, and you're right. I had a chance just to visit with him a little briefly yesterday. I think one of the things from a physical standpoint that I noticed yesterday is just how defined he is. He does not necessarily look like a rookie coming into the NBA. And the reason I say that is I compare him to Chris Duarte, who is older. Uh, we know that Duarte came into the NBA at 24. Chris Duarte yesterday looks significantly bigger and stronger than he did a year ago, and that's one year of being in the NBA. I looked at Benedict Matherin yesterday, and I thought, my gosh, this guy looks like he's already been in the league for a couple of years. So I think he brings in, as you said, that backstory that really fuels his fire, and then physically he is gifted. And it's going to – all rookies learn, right? It's – and no matter what sport you're in, very, very rarely do you come right in and, and, and knock it down. But I do think this guy has a real, real chance to be a, a, a standout player. Uh, what we saw briefly when he played in summer league, he was outstanding. And so I'm, I'm really, uh, really interested to see uh, how he fits into this group and, and how he's paired in the backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton. He and Tyrese really bonded back uh, prior to the draft. Matherin made it clear that he wanted the Pacers to take him. Uh, Halliburton told the front office he'd like nothing better than for Benedict Matherin to be a part of the team, and, and now here they are, uh, should be the starting backcourt. Chris, uh, final 45 seconds or a minute here, but the guy that in talking to Kevin Pritchard, I uh, have not heard Rick Carlisle talk about him, but that that all of a sudden looks like he might get more minutes early than what I anticipated is Andrew Nimhard because Pritchard seemed very high on him uh, that he could work into the rotation. You agree with that? Yeah, I mean this is a guy that's uh, an extremely talented player. I mean some people say that they he reminds you of a younger Malcolm Brogdon. I mean with uh, his knowledge and his his skill level and those types of things and and we know he played for a good program in college. So uh, he's a guy that I think you know he could fight his way in, into some rotational minutes at some point. Yeah, how they divvy up those minutes between him and T.J. McConnell will be something to keep an eye on. And like the earlier question, just that 10-man ten, ten rotation, the balance of wanting to play the young guys versus the vets will be something for Rick Carlisle to juggle all season long. Uh, Chris cannot wait for, I guess, two weeks from Wednesday for you guys, uh, but even just next Wednesday for the Pacers to get back on the floor. Uh, looking forward to having you on more here with the Pacers season underway. Yeah, looking forward to it. Once we start those two preseason, we'll do 84 straight. So we've got all 82 in the regular season. So uh, nothing better than having the gang back together. We're all back and uh, looking forward to it. Chris Denary right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, uh, Andrew Nemhard. Thanks, yeah, Chris. I, I, I see some Malcolm Brogdon. But, you know, poor man's Malcolm Brogdon. Definitely not the score, but I think they play the game with Listen, similar pace and tempo. I mean, Pritchard was effusive in his praise of him when I was talking to him. He's, I'm telling you, man, this kid – is going to be a good player for us. So, but again, that's the balance all year long. Do you give the minutes to McConnell? Do you give the minutes to Nemhart? Do you give the minutes to Duarte or to Buddy Heald? Yeah, you're right. To Daniel Tice or to Isaiah Jackson? That's just that dynamic. A lot of combination massaging that will take place over the course of the to watch. Uh, are you off to Chicago today? Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. 
tomorrow. Jake hanging out with the Australian crew in town. Colts off from the practice field. If you missed it, the Jelani Woods podcast will be up on our podcast page. Back to practice tomorrow, heading into another home game with the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in to Kevin Aquaria. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 7 a.m.